Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Sega Talk podcast. I'm Barry, with me is George. Hello everyone. And on this episode, we are covering a Patreon pick. That's right. Uh, longtime backer Daniel Andres, he picked this episode, and he picked it for a very specific reason, because this week, um, actually, I think as you listen to this, if you are a Patreon member, Yakuza Like a Dragon will be releasing to the United States, and I believe Europe. I don't know. Wow. But that episode is to come way down the line, so... What are we talking about? Are we talking about Yakuza for the PS2? No. We are talking about the first episode, the first episode, I don't the know, prequel. installment of Yakuza uh, in the timeline, Yakuza yeah. 0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting pick because, as you guys know, like when you listen to this, we sometimes jump around. We did Sonic 06 way early in our, in our, uh, our series. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, I mean, it's not unprecedented, but it is really interesting to be talking about a game that's pretty much, geez, what is this like? It, it's not even sixth in the series because there's the Kenzen games, there's the, uh, uh, Dead Souls. The PS, yeah, and there's the PSP stuff. So, um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of fitting just in a narrative sense and also in a, uh, Western release sense. So, all of that will make sense as soon as we dive into it. So, Released in 2015, Yakuza 0, known as Ryo Ga Gotaku 0, <laughs> Shikai no Basho. I don't know. Yeah, in Japan. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a... Pre- what? It's just like, you remind me, like, when I first played, like, the Yakuza games, I'm like, well, we'll get into the memories, but, like, I felt like I, I had a study, like, sometimes, that, like, they had, like, sub-chairmans and all these things, right? And I wasn't used to it in games, and they just use Japanese names, right? They didn't care. It's like, she loaned how from the the something district or whatever. And I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, oh man, I have to write that down, I think. And and But they had like <laughs> glossaries and I would look at them, you know? So it reminds me of like, oh great, I, I have to memorize this. <laughs> well, lucky for us, it's just called Yakuza Zero. They even spell out the Z-E-R-O on the cover so people don't call it Yakuza O. Oh, thank and God. it is a prequel... To 2005's Yakuza and 2016's Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of the original Yakuza. Ooh. So, despite its prequel status, it is actually the sixth main entry in the series. Wow. And it released to the PS3 and PS4 in Japan in March 2015 and to North America and Europe to the PS4 in January 2017. Additionally, the game saw release to Windows in August 2018 and Xbox One in February 2020. And there was even a free application for the Vita in Japan. So, that's a lot of releases. What was your history with the franchise? And what are your memories of playing Yakuza 0 way, way back in 2017? Well, I guess my history with the franchise goes all the way back to like when the first game came out and like being super hyped because being one of those guys that was into Shimu or Shimu, whatever you guys want to pronounce Shimui. it. Yeah, they get all upset. Um, I was like looking for the next big budget Sega adventure game. I wasn't like, 
I think a lot of Sega fans at the time would be like, if it's not Shimu 3, it's I don't want to play it. And when Yakuza was announced and it didn't have that, I guess you would say advanced engine that uh, Shimu had, where it had like data time, you'd follow people around, the uh, models for every different person. They like cut down and they kind of figured out what was important, like the action, the story, having to con- one story that ends in one episode. Uh, in one game. Mm-hmm. So I was super into the idea of a new Yakuza game, the Yakuza franchise, and when they brought it over, I was super hyped about it. So the first time I played it was a demo on the PlayStation magazine, and then I mm-hmm. bought the game li- the first day it came out, and uh, I've been, kind of been a fan since then. Um, yeah, Yakuza 2 definitely brought me, like, that. Like, the first game had, like, a lot of... Uh, problems loading problems Mm -hmm. uh bad combat problems like uh very limited very frustrating but uh definitely the sequel fixed almost all of it and then it just kept on getting better and better and better and i think yakuza zero just hit the right time at for the this moment right now with like the way people share online the way it's written the comedy uh, the side missions, the amount of improvements they did throughout the years that people didn't really notice. So, like, mm-hmm. um, they fixed a lot of stuff in this game. The pacing's a lot better, and it has a lot more story than most of the other games. So, even sure. even the first game has some fillers chapters where you're like, this could have been cut out, and you could have still got to point A to point D. And in this one, they add chapters, but I think it adds more to the characters that are presented in the story. Um, Yakuza mm-hmm. Zero definitely is a great game, and I think it it it, it started this whole like uh, RGG Studio doing this whole like um, the like they they have this whole thing where they try to take the character that they're making the story based on and they do the gameplay around that character. They did it in four mm-hmm. and five, you know, but like Judgment is a good one where every little thing is different and now we have yakuza 7 where it's an rpg system where literally everything's super different i'm sure you played it where like even little mm-hmm. mundane things are make a big difference in that game um, absolutely so yeah that's my my history with it is uh, i obviously played it i reviewed it for the site so i played it early uh i mm-hmm. obviously gave it a high review it's one of the top three yakuza games probably the best in terms of like all the improvements and just polished package for sure yeah you Mm -hmm. wow um for me i have a a pretty different history with the franchise i didn't really get into it until a bit later though i i do distinctly remember renting the first one um Mm. and playing it quite a bit now not enough to really have it stick with me but um you know i i was kind of out of the game for a while just in terms of playstation because i didn't have a ps3 so i I would pick up the games like used and like have them, but I didn't own the PS3. Um, I actually did uh, get, I believe, like I don't know if it was a review code or what. Like I think we had a couple for giveaways that never went away. Um, so I redeemed it on PS3 for the the fifth game, but I never played it. Like I have it, mm. but I don't. <laughs> I haven't played it. And then finally, when I got a PS4, I was like, "This is perfect because Yakuza Zero. Um, it's a prequel. I don't need any prior knowledge of the first five games." And um, as we'll get in here into here in a little bit, it's kind of like I don't want to say like a reboot, but it's like a it's like a jumping on point, a perfect jumping on point for new players. And 
as you mentioned, just a lot of stuff clicked at the right time. Like you take a look at Yakuza Zero and you take a look at Yakuza in um, 2005 and it's just, it's, they're so vastly different in terms of how Sega approached them, how fans approached them. Um, of course, how the games played, the gameplay changed drastically. Um, in fact, I'd, I'd be very interested to see like a reaction video from people who love the Yakuza games but never played the first two. That would be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, as far as Zero, it's the one I've played the most, I'll admit, even though I did all the notes for this episode, I have not finished this one. Mm. Um, but I lead a busy life. So, it's uh, uh, 17 chapters and it's pretty long. Like I would say you have yeah. to put in a little over 40 hours by the end you're, you're yeah. done. So yeah, it's a commitment. Yeah, it is for sure. And I'm one to really like enjoy every aspect of the game. So I'm doing the missions, I'm doing um, the exploration, the mini games. So I'm not like blowing through it, but I I really enjoy it. And... I I think my only, maybe the only downside for me is that I don't enjoy the call forwards um, because I don't know what they're setting up because I don't really know the first game's plot all that well. Okay, okay. Um, There's a lot of that in this game where like, I think like some of the characters uh, without this game don't really have any uh, fleshy, like there's no like character to them like Nishiki. Um, mm. the only reason I, I kind of cared him as him for a character is because I watched the, like, I was so obsessed with the game that I went online and started looking at all the, like, press material, and one of them was a Takashi Mike, I think that's how you say his name, uh, movie. Is it Miki or Mike? Miki, it could be Miki, I don't know, but, uh, I... He made a prequel video where he had, like, real actors and, like, them growing up in the orphanage and they're, like... Uh, relationship with uh, Yumi. I think that's the character's mm. name, yeah. And so yeah. Uh, that kind of gave it some flesh to them, but like it in the first game, he's just like, you come out of prison, he's an asshole. And there's like, they do this whole thing where there's already established relationships and see you see some of these characters in this game before all mm-hmm. of that, like almost a decade before all of the, the stuff that went down and you see a different side of every character, which is makes this game very interesting, right? Hmm. But yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Um, and you know, something new we're kind of doing with these Patreon picks is we're moving the Patreon picker, as I'll call them, mm-hmm. uh, their memories up to the front. And for the very first time, we actually have audio memories. So we're going to play that now. You can listen to that, enjoy it, and then we will dive back into Yakuza Zero. So take it away, Daniel Andres. Hey, George, Barry, I just want to say thanks again for letting me do this. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Anyways, guys, everybody out there listening, I have a lot to say about Yakuza 0. First of all, I just want to start off by saying, holy fucking shit, this game, man. Oh my good God, this game. This video game is my favorite game on the PlayStation 4. It's not my favorite game of all time. That honor belongs to the Shenmue games, but it's my favorite PS4 game, and I think it's like my 7th or like 8th favorite game of all time. It's definitely up there in, in the top 10 somewhere. But this game blew me out of the water. You know, it was it was different than what I was expecting for sure. And like I mentioned Shenmue, I was coming off the Shenmue series going into this game. When I first discovered it, now I knew what Yakuza was before I first discovered it, plus I knew this game existed. I discovered uh, Yakuza, I think in 2014 or 15. 
ish, but surely sometime after I discovered Shenmue, and surely after I think I beat the first game, sometime after that I did. Yeah, I discovered the game in April of 2017. I just saw it sitting there at this at this used game store called Disc Replay, right? And I just saw it, and I picked it up, and I read it, the back of it. I'm like, it takes place in the late 80s. I, you know, it kind of reminded me of Shenmue a little bit, even if I know Yakuza is nothing like Shenmue. And I know that very well now, for sure. But I was looking at it, and I'm like, well, I've been wanting to play this game for a while. You know, what the hell? Why not, right? You know, I, I've been wanting to check out the series for a while, so why don't, I, why don't I just start here? I brought it home that night, popped in my PS4, booted up. And I fell in love with it. Like, I fell in love with its opening cinematics. I fell in love with its atmosphere, with its characters, everything. And it was quite an emotional ride. And I, I played this game throughout pretty much the entire first year of, of our relationship. And I beat it in early, like, February 2018, I think, is when I beat it for the first time. Very early 2018, I did. So, as, as I mentioned about Yakuza 0, how, um, you know, I picked it up when I first started, you know, a, a new girlfriend to me at the time. But, you know, it, it was a woman who I was getting to know. I feel like this game helped me grow a lot like, as a person, like as a man, just as a man in general. Um, this much like Shenmue really changed me as a person. It changed me. It changed me on my perspective on gaming. It changed me on my perspective on life, on how I should be as, as a human being in general. But I feel like the just the way Majima and Kiryu out, like <laughs> how Majima, Kiryu and Majima, they're both like they're both a man's man. You know what I mean? They're both just like people. They're just so respectful, so big and just so intelligent and so like smart and wise and everything and they just know, you know, right from wrong so damn strongly. You know what I mean? It's just you know just just the paths that they follow are just so important and and inspiring. Definitely inspiring. I feel like it helped me definitely grow as like a person, you know? And so and then uh, shortly after, now me and my wife have like, you know, a newborn child. And just seeing Kiryu, like, you know, seeing him grow as, like, a father with Haruka, I feel like, you know, it, it gives me a lot to, like, kind of reflect on life. And, you know, seeing him like that with Yakuza 1 and Yakuza 2 in, in the future games, I don't know, it's just, so it's just, like, something to, that I like to relate with my daughter a bit, you know, or I might to when she's old enough, you know, at the time. But, like, you know, she's still just a baby baby, but, you know, she's almost two now, but, um... Just Yakuza helped teach me a lot about my life. It helped me teach a lot about relationships and friendships also and just people in general. And I feel like Kiryu himself is just a great character to follow, you know, just as a person. You know, he feels like somebody who you would just want to get to know in reality. And you wouldn't mind sharing a drink with and listening to a story and just, you know, who he is as like a guy. Majima, you know, same thing. He's just a very, very cool person. My relationship wouldn't be the same as is now without this game. I played this game with my wife a lot, like a lot in 2017. I always came over to her house and brought the game over. We just hung out and just experienced the story together. And we just got to experience this game, like, you know, here and there. And it was just quite, you know, quite a time for me and her. And, well, mostly for me, I would say, but quite a time for us. And, you know, it was, it's just something that I will never forget and look back on it for sure. Because this game has been with me ever since. And the ending really, it brought me to tears, uh, especially now for sure it does. With Makoto and Majima and with Kiryu, uh, well, with Makoto and Majima, yes, for sure. It brought me to tears, like, you know, what he ends up deciding for her and, you know, what the ending just was. And, wow, what what an impactful, emotional, strong strong game and like i said it's quite a crazy journey with it'll you know this game will bring you laughs it'll bring you a lot of joy but also bring you a lot of those you know badass fuck yeah moments and a lot of those like moments were just like god damn like like that was so like big and impactful there's a lot of moment there's a lot of like moments between men in this game that just gets so emotional that's what the whole series is kind of like i've only played this one kwami one and kwami two all the way through to the end and i love 
I love Yakuza Kiwami 2. I love that game to death. I love everything about the game as well. I it, they these are my two favorite games in the series so far. Are Zero and Kiwami 2 with 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 uh, Ruji Goda. Oh my god. Oh my god. If I, ho- I hope hopefully I didn't butcher his name because he's like one of my favorite characters now. And he actually has an appearance in this game in, in Zero. And I did not know that at the time. Holy shit. What a character he is. But this is not about him right now. This is about Majima and Kiryu. This is the first time I ever saw these characters. My first impressions on them, right? And I fell in love with them. And I had no idea Majima was going to go the path he was going to go for the rest of the series. You know, down this crazy road uh, of a character that he is. But, you know, that's just what he chose. And the way he, t- he speaks about it in, Z- in the end of Zero, it does make a lot of sense why he decided what he decided for himself. And, you know, why it continues with the future of the franchise for him. And I, I just, I just have so much to say about this game. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I've said a lot about it already, but um, you know, the game is 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 about Kiryu Majima and their journey, and their story, their experiences, and who they grow as people. But it's also really, really about Makoto, Makoto Ma- M- Makimura. I think her name is. It's really about her. She's like actually like the big main character of the story. Like everything around her, everything that's happening, everything that's like impacting her, and you know what she has to go through, what she has to do. It's also really about her. She's like a big main character for the story. It was a lot more sadder than I remembered because I I played the game again recently, uh, which is a bit of why I wanted to you know talk about it you know because my f- memories of it are, are still fresh. And uh, yeah, for those listeners out there who are listening to this episode, by any chance, uh, you know whether you're listening to this on YouTube or on the Patreon website or on Spotify or whatever you're listening to this on to, and you're hearing me speaking right now, if you've never played the Yakuza here before or any Yakuza game. This is a great place to start with the franchise. Zero specifically. I always see people talking about Zero. I always see people mentioning up like a moment they loved, like a character that they fell in love with, or like something like that. Like Zero is a strong, great beginning for the series. It's kind of a long story because so much happens in it, but it doesn't feel like it's long. It just feels like there's a lot going on. You kind of don't want it to end, but it's like relieving when it ends. It's relieving for the characters when it's over. It's not relieving for you, maybe maybe per se as it is for the characters, but like you're right there with them. Like you feel what they're feeling. You get what they're going through, and you're gonna lo- you're gonna fall in love with Kiru and his best friend Akira Nishikiyama. He's such a fucking great badass character in this game, and just seeing him fight with Kiru and seeing them work together in this game is so heartwarming and awesome. He goes on a dark path in the first game. It's really sad what happens to Kira later on. I'm not going to get too much into him. That's all I'm going to say. But just knowing that and seeing him in this game is just so sad and just so big for his character. Just seeing the person who he was before he changed is just damn. If you have not played Yakuza 0, check it out. It's a great experience. If you have played it, then I hope you love this game as much as I do. If not, it's fine. And hey, I just want to give a quick shout out. I have a YouTube channel called uh hazuki warrior 921 921 if you want to check out uh it i have a review on this game and i also have a review of yakuza kwami and yakuza kwami 2 and when i beat yakuza 3 of course i'm going to review, review that yeah man quite a handful of yakuza related videos on my channel if you want to check it out i have videos talking about a bunch of different stuff like you know sega in general and other things as well you know if you want to check it out hey you know if you want to hear more about what i have to say about yakuza 0 other things I can't really talk about maybe for this uh, for this podcast. I have a video talking about it. Again, that's Hazuki Warrior 921-921. All right. Thank you, Daniel. And I hope you enjoy this episode. So uh, let's do you proud and dive right in. Uh, Yakuza 0, it was developed by Ryo Gotaku Studio, whose name was actually officially established in late August 2011 and first used to promote binary, binary domain, which was our 46th episode of Sega Talk, uh, in February 2012. The studio's origins can be traced back to Amusement Vision, which was headed by uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi, 
And that's the team behind Super Monkey Ball, which is Sega Talk, episode 21, and F-Zero GX, which was our previous episode, episode 56. So if you're if you're catching on here, if you want to learn more about um, that team and all the stuff they've done, you can jump back and listen to those. See, we already did the work for ourselves, so that's great. Um, oh, yeah. After the release of F-Zero GX, Smilebit merged into Amusement Vision and released two games. So they made Ollie King for arcades and Shining Force resurrection of the dark dragon for the game boy advance and by july 2004 amusement vision was dissolved as part of new entertainment r&d department and the original yakuza began development and we will share more of this history when we cover yakuza for the ps2 at one point which i think will be sooner than later i think we should get to that soon um but until then george what are your thoughts on RGG Studios history and the studio as it was in 2015 when Yakuza 0 was being developed and released. Um, I think there was some sort of like uncertainty around the franchise, the Yakuza franchise, while like we finally got five, right? And it was only digital. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like it didn't make that big of a splash. And Mm -hmm. uh, so in 2015, it was weird because I think I was posting that like, it at I think it was like the lowest debuting Yakuza game in Japan for a while. So I was already predicting mm-hmm. like Japan's over. Uh I don't think it's gonna take off in the West because I don't know, it's just, you know, I wish it took off in the West, but it's been so long that the franchise has been going and it's got no steam in the West. And then Zero hit here finally, and then like I think it first hit in Taiwan and then Taiwan started uh, I think buying it up where it was mm-hmm. the actually the highest selling Yakuza's uh, entry because of Taiwan and uh, South Korea or something. It was like other little mm-hmm. like little place like Taiwan and, and South Korea, and then um, right. And then we finally got it, and then it, it was a huge hit here because it started the story fresh. Uh, it was full of great side stories, great wacky characters, lots of new jokes. It was. Fe- I felt like they let the team go loose. They're like, go crazy. This is it. This is the game where you guys. It's eight. It's the eighties. <laughs> The 80s were a crazy time. I want you guys to describe how crazy it was in Japan living during the this like boom era where there was so much money. And so, yeah, like they did a good job. And uh, the, the franchise in 2015, it didn't seem that way, but uh, it was the start of something great. But at the time, it didn't seem that way for sure. It seemed uncertain, but mm-hmm. the rest of the world uh, picked up the slack. Yeah, absolutely. Um I I would agree with you on everything. Um, I, I thought it was interesting you brought up that they got a little looser with the translation. And not, not to say that it was like off or anything, but they really put a lot of time and effort into making it a game that was not just a direct word-for-word translation, which I think hurts a lot of uh, Sega games with heavy narrative. Like, no offense to Shenmue, but it's not a very like excitingly told story. Like, if you can imagine Shenmue, but with, like, the Yakuza team's um, translators and scriptwriters, like, I think that would be pretty awesome, actually, you know? Um, Yeah. I I think, if anything, Shenmue has a lot of, like, uh, accidental funny lines. Like, I don't think they intentionally went for what they were going for. Not to, you know, shit on Shenmue this whole episode. We're not. um, Definitely not. I I love it, so I don't want to... But you, it was funny because as you were talking about that, I had this sitting right next to me. I just bought it. It's, uh, do you remember Samurai Pizza Cats? Oh, yes, I do. 
Yeah, and this is a great example of a show that's... It's a good show in Japanese, but if you just did a, a straight translation of it for the dub, it'd be fine. But they really didn't. They, like, went all out. They wrote their own jokes. They made their own kind of, like, American references, and they made it its own, and it actually, like, was a lot more successful than it probably would have been if it was just straight up, like, the Ninja Kitty show, you know? I think um, uh, another one is that Animal Crossing, where in Japan it was, like, they didn't have that much characterization for, the char- like, the mm. little characters, and then the translators changed it in America, and then Japan's like, wait, that works, that's actually a lot more clever, and mm-hmm. now it's the standard, right? Uh, right, and so, it, yeah, Yakuza 0 really does feel like a, a, I guess it is a reboot then, you know, because they're they're giving the series its tone, its new tone from the very beginning, and then it carries forward with all of the other games that started to release to the West, and I, I want to get to that here. So, um, seeing as we are doing our first Sega Talk episode of Yakuza in in-game chronological order... Uh, there is a lot of Yakuza history, both in development and in story, that will be discover, uh, covered on future episodes. And if you're watching these in chronicle, chronological order, because we have a playlist on YouTube, um, then you're all caught up. Thank you. And you're probably watching videos of us in like a year or two, and we look like, I don't know, old men or something. Um, Too late. But if not, so George, can you give like a general take on the franchise up to the point of Yakuza 0, just in terms of releases. Like, what was the the tone of the previous games? Were they similar to this, or was this, like, a big U-turn? I don't think it was a huge U-turn, because they still had, like, the, some of the comedy built in. Uh, I think, um, and some of that, like, I don't know, weird under, like, there's always this, like, underbelly, right? Like, uh, Ichiban, like, the new game, I'm just, I'm just playing it, so it's on my mind. How Ichiban mm-hmm. has, like, this really tragic, and like dark story kind of of being like growing up as a in a prostitute house but they played in such a light manner you know what i mean soap easy or oh. soap land or whatever they call it in the in the game so i don't know like i think the franchise always had this humor but i think uh they took it up a lot more notches by the time zero came around i think five had mm. a lot of this like they were playing literally stories based on like tongue-in-cheek comedy like playing as Haru- uh, uh, Haruka or whatever uh, however you say her name uh it was like mm-hmm. I don't know it was like they it was already like I felt like they were like joking basically <laughs> like like <laughs> such like it was like playing her was playing like some like idol right it was like a rhythm game so it was almost like they were joking to their masculine audience right that they try to portray so it's like I think they've already the development had that I think the translation team took that and they added their own like stamp on it instead of like the old team where they would like they try to tr- I mean let's be honest like the first game remember the first American game they did try to put their own stamp on it they tried to make this whole like fuck you man fuck off motherfucker oh, and they're like over the top there's doing a lot it. of swearing yeah. yeah it was like and like even Kazuma came off as a dick in that one so it was like he's a good boy Kazuma's a good boy I will I will say, though, kicking, you know, not to make this the Yakuza 7 podcast, they do, like, right out the gate, I think one of the first lines in the game is, like, cum stain. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. Like, in the modern... <laughs> Ichiban's character <laughs> has a lot more cursing, for sure, and it's more yeah. uh, sexual references, a lot more sex mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It's funny, I though. I guess that's what you get when you grow up in a whorehouse. Yeah. Um, 
So Yakuza Zero takes place in 1988 and features a younger version of protagonist Kazuma Kiru as well as anti-hero Goro Majima as playable characters. Kiru spends most of his time in the beginning of the game in Kamurocho, while Majima uh, works in Sotenbori. Their paths eventually cross, allowing the player to switch characters, building up to the events of the original Yakuza. And the beauty of Yakuza 0 is that it works both as an entry point for players and as an excellent look back at the franchise's longtime protagonists in their early years before players start Yakuza 6. So, what is your preferred playing order? Like, what would you suggest to new timers? Should they play 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 0, 6? Or should they play 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? And also, should they play the original PS2 games or the Kiwami games? All right. Controversial right here, because I've seen Mm -hmm. some, like, I've actually had when Kiwami came out, I had a lot of arguments with some of the older fans on YouTube. There's like a YouTube community where it's like the PS2 games are top tier. Everything else in mm-hmm. the bottom is garbage or whatever. I think play Zero and then Kiwami, Kiwami 2, and then the PS4 ones because they're easy to uh, get. I think the new updated versions have better gameplay. Obviously, they're using the more newer engines. Uh, Mm -hmm. both of them have different engines um so yeah i think uh they tell the same story and you get the gist of the story it's like you get the first story in the other game yes they change and they add references from zero but i think that's why you should play zero might as well play it first i understand they're trying Mm -hmm. to invoke something on uh like if you play zero as an old fan it means something totally different than if you play zero as someone that doesn't know anything of the franchise Mm-hmm. But you can't get those like that pass back. You had to literally play the game when it came out and grow up with the game like they did in Japan to get that that feeling when you play Zero and go, oh, this is the character I grew up with when he was younger. And they're totally different characters. You you don't get that until, yeah. unless you grew up playing the games. Sorry. It's just it's it's really fascinating just because if you do play it at the time of release the only really background you have are the first two PS2 games and then the PS3 games. And then when you, if you dived into it with Yakuza 0 and you're playing Kiwami and Kiwami 2, those ones have payoffs from 0, whereas Mm 0 has like payoffs that call forward to the classic games. So it's like, it's working in both ways. If you play every single one of them, you're probably like a king, you know, you're, yeah. you're getting all these references. It's great. <laughs> but um, like I, I would say as someone who has dabbled in the series, but has not like I own them all, but I have not played them all. I would suggest starting with zero just because it's it's a great entry point. It's a great game. And then if you love the gameplay, you're going to love Kwame. You're going to love Kwame, too. But if you fall in love with the characters and just Yakuza in general, check out the first two on PS2. Like, you might not finish them, you might just play them a little bit, but it's, I think it's important to at least get an idea of where the series comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say it's unfortunate. You can't play the original one in Japanese, to my memory, right? Not the original one, no. They they uh, had this whole interview about how Sega got the smaller DVDs instead of the, like, I think there was, like, two types of DVDs back then. One that held 4.7 gigabytes and one 8-something. And the mm-hmm. A1s were more expensive, and Sega's like, no, 
we're not doing it. And they wanted to do two discs maybe, but they didn't do that. So they sh- they just made one disc. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, that but... sucks. At least with um, PS2's release of uh, uh, Sakura Wars: So Long, My Love, I think it came with two discs, and one was English and one was Japanese. That was cool. That wasn't yeah. Sega, but that was yeah. NISM. Anyway, um, so it's worth pointing out too that following Yakuza Zero's release in March 2015. Sega quickly followed up with Yakuza Kiwami in January 2016 and Yakuza 6 in December 2016. It was clear that Sega was presenting the Japanese fans with as much new Kuro and Majima content before their storyline came to an end in the sixth entry. And meanwhile in the West, we saw Yakuza 0 in January 2017, Yakuza Kiwami in August 2017, and Yakuza 6 in April 2018 with Yakuza Kiwami 2 soon after in August 2018. So what are your thoughts on this release schedule? Was it too much Yakuza or not enough? And I didn't write this question down, but do you think Kiwami 2 coming after 6 kind of deflates it a little bit because you're going back to Kiro so soon again? Uh, I mean, I was super hyped for six. Like, oh my god, when I was looking, when you saw the gameplay and the new engine, it, it's amazing. So to me, I was super hyped. I think people underestimated the Dragon Engine, but um, mm-hmm. as for the release schedule, very hectic. But you, I think you also missed one game they were released. They were doing um, the Fist of the North Star game. They released that right. too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of insane that they had this schedule where they were just pumping out games at such high quality because. Even though, like, they had budget games, like Kiwami 1 is a budget game, and um, uh, The Fist of the North Star. Those two are their, like, smaller studios. So when you mm-hmm. played, they're more janky. But they still got pretty high uh, Metacritic scores. And they yeah. still uh, were, fan. I mean, liked by fans. So tells you that they were, they're on, uh, they're on, they're, like, basically Sega's more secure uh, studio that's releasing hits over and over again. What oh, do you think sure. about Though the schedule? I, I I mean it it it's a lot because I was <laughs> buying these as they came out. I mean it's I wasn't true. going broke, but I was like I was like holy crap! I'm like adding uh, RGG Studio games to my shelf like every every four months. It felt like, and um, I'll be honest, like I wasn't playing all of them as I bought them, but I was just like. Fist of the North Star, I was like, this kind of plays like Yakuza, but I just bought four Yakuza games in the past year. Like, it was a bit much, I'll be honest. Like, but they had to release them. I'm glad they released them because I don't want them playing catch-up anymore. I want worldwide releases as close together as possible. We're and getting... I think they're they're doing that. I mean, Yakuza 7 came out in Japan, like what? Uh, last year. Uh, last year. So we're still a little bit behind, but they haven't yeah. released in. They haven't announced a new game this year, which surprised mm-hmm. me because they were kind of at a. We're doing one every year, right? And the last one was Yakuza Seven, which came out last year, and we're getting it this year right. here. So I'm assuming that the next time they announce the next one, it's going to be mm-hmm. a worldwide day one release, and there's going to be. A I mean, huge I'd, hype. I'd I'd hope. I was getting a little nervous because if you uh, check the social media accounts of a lot of people who work for Atlas USA on Sega, they're leaving. Like, not it's I not noticed. like cleaning house, but like at least two or three people who were pretty big localization team producers and stuff have left. 
So mm. it's not like they were fired. It looks like they found new jobs. But it makes me wonder if there's just not that much to work on. You know what I mean? It's going to be interesting to see, especially with the whole COVID and selling businesses. Yeah. I'm not saying they're being bought out. <clears throat> I'll never say that. No, no, no. But I, <laughs> I think a lot of companies right now are seeing a slump and things aren't going to pick back up for a bit. Um, so I hope that's not the case for the Yakuza team. But um, getting back to this then, so personally, uh, like I said, I see Yakuza 0 as a reboot of the franchise. Um, pushing the original two PS2 titles aside and really presenting a trio of games that bring the series' earlier entries or in the canon timeline more in alignment with 3 and beyond. So, well, uh, this is our Yakuza 0 episode. I think it's worth noting that writer Masayoshi Yokoyama stated that Sega had plans to develop Kiwami in 2015 uh, with the company wishing gamers uh, would enjoy the first Yakuza game on more of a modern quality. So, however, they were busy at the time making Yakuza 0, but positive feedback of the prequel led to making Kiwami. So you can thank this game for Kiwami. And so the franchise's 10th anniversary um, and the engine for Yakuza 0 also kind of gave them the motivation to make Kiwami. So as a fan of the original two games, do you feel that Sega has pushed them aside in favor of Zero and Kiwami as entry points, and do you think those uh, new to the series should check them out at all? We kind of answered this, but I'm, I'm curious yeah, to know. Yeah, um, they did this version of the one... In, okay, so they did this one version of 1 and 2. Uh, on I don't know if you remember. I covered it... Uh, well, it was a Wii long U. time ago. In the Wii U and the yeah. PS3, where it was 1 and 2, and 1 had all the uh, Yakuza 2 fixes, like the faster loading... Uh, you could do mm-hmm. combo strings, and you could like change directions in mid combo. Um, so they fixed all the all that. I wish they would release that in America, but of course they never did. So, uh, so to me, should they play the classics? I I, I think they t- these tell the story well enough to get the gist of it that mm-hmm. you don't have to go back. So I could see why Sega would push Kiwami one and two, and not try to bring them. But I think there's a market to if there's an off year for them to bring that collection on like maybe PS5 or whatever's new and just call it the PS1 and 2 classic one and they could even add a cheesy dub if they want to add a cheesy dub like PS2 era dub <laughs> just to make to make it a joke you know yeah you know i think it would be cool if you remember uh Virtua Fighter 4 was it came with a 10th anniversary disc and it had the characters from the new games in the Virtua Fighter 1 blocky style. Remember that? I loved it, yeah. I wish they would make a video game. Like, if eSports, if, like, Virtua Fighter eSports is just the blocky, like, cute look, (laughs) and, like, they just make it really fun and simple, and they just call it eSports, and it has every single character and, like, four or five more. Um, I'm in. I know the, the hardcore fans would hate it, but I'm, like, I love that look. I think it would be cool if they did another... For the next, like, Yakuza game that falls on an anniversary to do, like, little mini-games throughout where it's, like, recreating Yakuza 3 through 7 moments but in the style of a PS2 game. So you get, like, uh, you know, like a blocky uh, Ichiban um, and you play, like, the old gameplay style just as a mini-game. That would be kind of fun. 
Know, yeah, and cool. and the also uh, I don't know, like you brought this up, but the PS2 Kazuma looks totally different from the PS3 mm-hmm. Kazuma. Like the model yeah. is like this is a totally different guy. Like I remember when I saw the third one, I'm like, why is he always pissed? Like they always had him like mm, looking super pissed, and it's I guess it's his demeanor, right? The uh, uh, Yakuza look. I'm a bad boy. Even in the in right here, if you're looking at the video on YouTube for the podcast. Uh, Kazuma looks uh, super mad in the picture, and Ka- and uh, Majima looks like he just looks stoic. He doesn't really look like he's doing much. He looks classy and cool, and Kazuma really looks like a bad boy. Do. I'm I'm doing it right now. I'm trying to hold it. Just Ima- acting. Imagine having that, that face when you're having sex, when you're telling your wife you love her. Everything you do in life, <sighs> you're like you're like <sighs> your daughter's like, I love you, Dad. <sighs> get away from me you know it's like okay. i love you too yeah <laughs> uh i can't do that anymore that really hurts and i'm gonna get like those lines Ugh. yeah dude don't do it too much this isn't good um so typically when we do these shows we cover cover older games that have like an opening scroll of text kicking off the game story uh but since this is one of those new games that have fancy cutscenes, i thought we should just watch like not even the first three and a half minutes, just like a, a minute or so of the game's opening moments, just to give people kind of a flavor if you've never um, seen or heard this game, if you're uh, listening to it. So uh, let me when, know when you're ready and we can check out the opening story. When, when do you want me to start it? Like a certain moment or just start it where it's at, where it starts? Start it where it's at at zero because they just select new game and it goes right into it. Gotcha. Can you hear it? No. Let me put it up. I can hear it here. It's recording. Oh, I hear a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at that face. Poor guy. It's Kazuma standing over a guy, if you're listening to audio, and he's, uh, says no trespassing. He's about to knock this guy out. He's, like, crying and begging him. And Kazuma's usually a nice guy, so we're like, what? What the hell is going on here? This guy's a nice dude. So this, this, the big thing in this game is this empty lot, and I will read yeah. about it in, in a few minutes. Um, but this is where they are right now, right? The empty lot. Yeah. This guy's like saying and, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but like, see, it's it's not setting up like a goofy game. Like this is pretty serious. It's bloody. Um, how how have other Yakuza games kicked off. Are they typically like this moment? Uh, not all of them in the beginning. They usually are very like slow. Like if you play four, I remember going like. Oh, there's Kazuma's beautiful voice. Um, <laughs> he's just telling him, "Don't walk around with cash in the street, bro." Not not in Komarocho. Uh, like Yakuza Four, I was surprised at how like slow it started. Like just. Yakiyama chilling in his business and then slowly talking. It's like very slow. So it depends on the character. Usually not this uh, violent. I think they're trying and to make a point. I will say that little moment is interesting. What he did there, where he took the money and left the wallet. No spoilers, but if you play uh, Yakuza like a dragon, something similar to that happens, but we get a different outcome. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing because this is chronologically uh, Kazuma's debut as a character this is your first taste of him if you're playing the games in chronological order so if you're seeing Ichiban it's an interesting comparison between them two yeah 
And right here, um, I always like that they do this where it's like normal people in Kamurocho's like reaction to Kazuma, who is uh, li- literally one of the most badass badasses of all badasses. You know what I mean? It's like walking right, around right. with blood. Like, imagine you're chilling with your friends at a bar and this dude walks by, you know? 17 feet tall, bronze. Right. <laughs> This is, this is kind of like the um, if you've ever seen Jason takes Manhattan, where those yeah. street punks are like, "Hey, asshole!" and then they look at him like, "It's cool." They're asking him to give him an apology, and then <laughs> his friends are like, "Dude, this guy's a fucking badass, dude. You're embarrassing like, You're us. Not, don't look at his face. <laughs> we we can stop it after this moment. I just think yeah. it's kind of funny." All right, yeah. Uh, that but tells yes, you everything. Yes. It's just, you know, it's an interesting way to kick off the uh, kick off the game. It's a good character moment, and I think they do that a lot in these. Like, um, I am interested, though, I, I'm not really posing a question, but, like, if you were to play all the other Yakuza games and then you played Zero, I wonder how uh, Kazuma is coming off here. Like, you're like, whoa, he's a little darker than usual. Um, <laughs> I, I so, think... Uh... Uh, well, I yeah. think it's like he's like you're seeing what he portrays himself as. I think deep down, Akazu was always this like heart of gold. But when he has to show that he's a badass yakuza guy, he shows up his front right. And he, right there, you're seeing him do his job for his. Uh, I guess uh, we would say stepfather uh, in the story um, about mm-hmm. the lot, which we'll talk about right now. I'll let you get to it. Right, yeah, the, the lot. Oh boy, I can't wait to talk about the lot. So Yakuza Zero's story, it spans 17 chapters with players alternating between Kazuma Kiro and Goro Majima. If you mm. want an idea of just how much story you take in, expect to experience up to 13 hours of just plot. Just plot. Uh, I, considered, I considered laying out the full story but decided against it, both because it would we'd be here forever um, and also, I think it's kind of boring, and I don't want to spoil people. So, without further ado, after saying I don't want to bore people, let's just read a, um, a little breakdown, and then we'll talk about some of the characters in the game. So, in December 1988, two unlikely figures from the Yakuza world, Kazuma Kiro and, uh, of the Kanto region and Goro Majima of the Kansai region, have suddenly found themselves getting involved in the terrible events of the so-called Empty Lot Dispute, which is the centerpiece of power struggle for all the dark organizations across Japan. In order to find out the truth behind such a power struggle, as well as maintain their own innocence and safety, they set out to investigate all the events surrounding the vacant lot incident. In Kamurocho, Kiro is suspected of murder after the man that he collected money from, who we saw in that intro there, winds up dead in a piece of real estate that is hotly contested. Kiro's boss, Sohei Dojima, offers a promotion to second in command of the Dojima family to whoever can find the deed to the land and thus the most ruthless members go after Kiro. On the run, Kiro must prove his innocence thus keeping his foster father from facing retribution for introducing him into the clan. In Osaka, Goro Majimo runs a cabaret club after being exiled from the Tojo clan due to the Uneo Seiwai hit years earlier. Despite his club being highly successful, 
He realizes it's nothing more than a cage, and he's under constant surveillance. One day, he's offered the chance to redeem himself by assassinating a target. He takes the job, but can't go through with it when he realizes his target is, in fact, a defenseless blind girl. He decides to protect her instead and find out why she's being targeted. Oof. That's uh, a good story. Who do you you think has a better story in Uh, these two? Mojima. Majima. I have to I have to agree with you. Like when I was picking up uh, Kazuma's, I was like, "Oh, great! It's about land, and it's like this overcomplicated plot where it's like, well, if you don't get this piece of land, this person here wants this land, and this piece of land wants this guy, and this guy here wants this, so you have to go to talk." And it's like, okay. And then when you go to Goro Majima, it's like more personal. Like mm-hmm. it's uh, he's been put in a hard like he wants he he's been put in a hard place in his life. And he has to do something he doesn't want to do. And it's like he's expected to be able to kill anyone as an assassin. And he has some of the best cutscenes. That one where that guy's being just a total jerk at his club. And he somehow gets the guy to like buy everyone drinks. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. It's I do. so good. It's, like, one, the, it's the, iconic. The dialogue's just so funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing how a series that can be this deep in game releases can have like iconic moments like that. Um, so recently, you know... Yeah, it's just, and I just, I love his story. Um, honestly, I wish it was kind of like Sonic Heroes, where you could just play through one character and then play through the other, and then maybe like there are different save files that you can jump around. But I get are it; you... it's it's how the story unfolds, and it's cool. I mean, once you start getting into it and they start kind of crossing paths, it it gets exciting. Um, so we're gonna blast through the characters here. Um, we have Kazuma Kiru. Am I saying that right, Kiru? I don't want people to get mad at me. I think that that, that sounds right. All right. I, I have mean, a sore I'm... My tongue is sore, so I'm like... Uh, 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 uh. Um, the Awakening Dragon memory, member of the jo- Dojima family, a Tojo clan subsidiary. He's 20 years old in this game. You don't look it. Um, no, and he's... but like, did you see the picture yeah. of him as a little kid? Where he looks <laughs> exactly... He looks exactly the same, just he just... <laughs> like, what? Come on, Sega. They really right. don't want Kazuma to look different at all. No, they don't. Uh, Kiro is a member of the Dojima family, one of the largest and most powerful Yakuza organizations under the umbrella of the Tojo clan. After losing his parents at an early age, Kiro was raised at the Sunflower Orphanage, established by the Dojima family captain Shintaro Kazama, in hopes of following in uh, Kazama's footsteps. He swore his oath to the Dojima family as soon as he was of age. But when a conspiracy is set in motion around Kiro, his position in the family, as well as the position of the benefactor Kazuma, are thrown into jeopardy. And to protect their names, Kiro sets out to discover the mystery behind the empty lot with the three lieutenants of the Dojima family. Standing in his way, the vacant lot becomes a matter of life and death. Uh, Then we have Daisaku Kuze, who's the patriarch of the Keno clan. He's voiced by Hitoshi Ozawa. And Kuze is a professional, uh, former professional boxer and a true Yakuza to the core, a talented leader. He is well known for inflicting, inciting controlled and targeted violence through the Yakuza thugs who serve him. The oldest of the three lieutenants, Kuze, is left in charge of the Dojima family when Captain Shintaro Kazama is sent to prison. Did you, I mean, I don't know if you knew, but the, the three actors that uh, did these guys and did the motion capture and all that, they're like... From uh, a bunch of Yakuza films from Japan. I just wanted to put that. And they're like I, actual actors. 
Yeah. I did know about that and um it's it's so insane to see real photos of them because they look exactly and, the same. But it's like the equivalent of us having a, a game over here and we're like, "Holy crap, they put in uh uh Robert De Niro and Joe yeah. Pesci, you know, like that's our equivalent." So how cool would that be if they did an American like mafia game? Come on, do it, Sega. You got the they resources. do a, a, a Japanese person coming and trying to join the mafia in America, and it's like the out, fish out of water thing. That would be awesome. I wish they would do that. It's about time. Come on. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, next, we have Hiroki Awano, the patriarch of the Taihei Association, voiced by Riki Takeuchi. And Awano is a man of leisure who often finds himself going with the flow rather than fighting against the rising tide. However, beneath his laconic exterior is a cunning man skilled in gathering information and making good on the Dojima family threats. Although he is loyal to his fellow fellow lieutenants in serving the Dojima family, he is also an opportunist. Uh-oh, look out for he's, this guy. He's the coolest guy, too, and like out yeah. of the three. You like him? Yeah, he's the coolest. Which one's he? Oh, yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, then we have uh, KJ Shibusawa, uh, patriarch of the Shibusawa family, voiced by Hideo Nakano. Uh, Shibusawa is a shrewd man with a talent for getting, setting goals and obtaining results. If Kuze is the muscle and Awano is the public face of the family, Shibusawa is the business side with a knack for economics. Shibusawa places hands alongside uh, Kuze and Awano, though his cards are considerably better concealed. Uh, then we have Tetsu. Tetsu guy, Tachibana. This is the guy he's with the, the glove? Yeah, yeah. And he's the president of Tachibana Real Estate. He's voiced by Arata Lura. Is he in any of the other games? I can't. I don't remember him. If if he is, I don't remember him. Uh, I okay. may mean, have to look it up, but I don't remember if he was. He seems so important when you play the game that I was yeah. like, is he in other ones? Uh, in a city where the streets are crowded with restaurants and nightlife establishments, Tetsu Tachibana has earned a reputation as the real estate mogul in the shadows for his skill in buying up land. As soon as it hits the market, he will take any means necessary to obtain that which is in his sights, despite his soft-spoken and sophisticated demeanor, Tachibana's ambitions are great. He aims to challenge the Tojo clan itself in his aim to take uh, power over Kamurocho. So it's uh, real estate versus the Yakuza. Perfect. Um, we have Jun Oda, an employee of the Tachibana real estate, voiced by Katsuyuki Konishi. And despite his seemingly flippant attitude, Oda is a man with no fear even the face of the Yakuza. Using ample funds and a network of information, he is one of the few men who can acquire property with the effectiveness of the uh, a Yakuza. Acting as Tetsu Tachibana's right-hand man, Oda is in charge of on-site land acquisition. And he's an I asshole. I feel like I'm introducing like new employees now. This guy's an asshole. Check uh. this guy out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this guy coming up. He remind- He looks like a Dragon Ball character. Um, <laughs> he's uh he's the dad he? he's a dad of an important character in like the later games, uh Daigo uh-huh. Dojima the guy from two where you have to get him out of the bar because he's drunk I don't even remember like the first no. mission in two in Yakuza two you have to go get somebody from a bar I think 
and it's this like younger guy and he's supposed to take over the do- dojima it's because this guy died and you hmm. and he's here younger so you get to actually see him so this is his dad and like uh, yeah he looks funny i always thought he looked funny but yeah yeah so it's so sohei dojima um voiced by hasao igawa and his ambitions are matched only by the cruel and ruthless violence he uses to achieve, achieve them. Laws be damned. And I, I won't read through all of this, but there's a lot of information about this guy. He's an important uh, character. So, yeah. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then we have Akira Nishiyaki. Ni- oh, boy. Here we Akira. go. Akira. Nishikiyama. Akira Nishikiyama. Um, he is a member of the Dojima family, a Tojo clan subsidiary, and he is voiced by... Kazuhiro Nakaya. This guy and he was raised. This oh, is this sa- guy. This guy's the same voice actor that does uh, Ichiban in Japan. So they finally gave okay. him leading character roles. So yeah, he played Nishiki. The yeah. So Nishiki, this guy. Yes, of course. Um, he was raised in the Sunflower Orphanage alongside Kiro. He is also followed in the footsteps of Shintaro Kazama and swore an oath to the Dojima family. He is more than just Kiro's childhood friend. He is, uh, as the two consider each other, brothers. Unlike Kiro, he has the talent to maneuver himself inside the Yakuza and enough ambition to rise through the ranks. Um, Because of that, he finds it hard to relate to Kiro's lack of interest. He is also a... Oh, he has a sickly younger sister who he cares immensely for. Oh, that's sweet. That's his whole Uh, ambition to betray Kiryu, though. Like, basically, his sick sister. It's like... Outside of that, he doesn't really have a character outside of, like, he's, he's Kiryu's brother, he likes Yumi, he, um, he's kind of a slime bag in the first one, because <laughs> he betrays you, he's supposed to be your brother, I get, but yeah, right. yeah, go on, I'm sorry. No, that's fine, um, uh, where was I, which one am I on, am I on Shintaro, no, I'm on, uh, o- Osamu yeah. Kashiwagi. Captain of the Kazama family, a Dojima family subsidiary, voiced by Shunsuke Sakuya. And uh, Kashiwagi is a grilled, a grilled, a skilled Yakuza known throughout Kamurocho as the far, the right-hand man of Shintaro Kazama. He is sympathetic, man of duties, manners, and an enforcer on those who fail to adhere to a strict code of Yakuza honor. The Kazama family is a lower-tier family and falls in step with the Dojima family that it serves. Despite this, Kiro and Nishiki find fearsome but wise older brother figures that they can depend on Kashiwagi. With Kazama in, in jail, he finds himself in charge of the family's business. So what what's this guy's story? I mean, I read it. But I mean, he's <laughs> makes just, sense of that. He's one of the main many characters. I don't even remember his story. Like, when I was looking at him, I'm trying to remember, like... He's one of the the business guys, isn't he? He's one of those guys you fight really like. Like I even looked at the other guy we were talking about, the guy that looks like Yakiyama almost a little while back. Let me see. Let me hear this guy right here. And I just remembered right now the scene with him where he throws the money at one of the guys. And I was like, I totally forgot about that guy. So this guy's definitely one of the guys (laughs) that I totally forgot about. But yeah, we go on to the next guy. This guy's pretty important, obviously, because he's the guy that transformed uh, Kazuma to who he is. Uh, Shintaro Kazama, captain of the Dojima family, a Tojo clan subsidiary, vo- uh, patriarch of the Kazama family, uh, voiced by Watari Tetsuya. 
A key figure in bringing the Dojima family to power, Kazama is one of the Tojo clan's most exceptional men, both in literal strength and strength of character. He established the Sunflower Orphanage to support children without families, becoming a true father figure and role model to both Kuro and Nishiki, who were raised there. He has been in prison ever since a gambling site held by the Kazama family was raided by the police six months ago. During his absence, the three lieutenants of the Dojima family begin to jockey for his position as captain. My thing is, like, they never really want to show him. They tell you stories about him and how much of a badass he is, but I'm like... Imagine if they made a game of, like, uh, the Yakuza's, but, like, playing as him in, like, the 70s or 60s, late 60s or something. I'd play that for sure. But, yeah, I always wanted to see more of him, but they always kind of, like, make him a legend in the background of Kazuma, you know. Hmm. But, yeah. So, it's almost seeming like Kazuma's story is, like, essential to the games, and Majima's is not so much, but it's the most... It's the one that you can get into a lot more. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's, so it's, I, I think it, it's because uh, with Kazuma, they set up a lot of like, oh, we're adding backstory to one. And then with Goro, we're like, there is no backstory here. We're just literally f- making something new right here. And they had but more. But that's the exciting one, I think. Yeah. yeah and I th- exactly. I think that's why for new people, it's like, wow, they really could do anything for him. And they wanted to make him sympathetic, a sympathetic character. And I think they did mm-hmm. a really, really good job with the, like, will you kill a blind woman kind of uh, situation he's in. Yes. So they did a great job. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he's the best and he's the best character, I think, in the Yakuza franchise. So, ha. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have Masaru Sara, president of the Tojo Clan's Nikio Consortium, a Tojo Clan subsidiary, voiced by Toru Ukawa. And despite his gentleman-like demeanor, Sarah is the leader of an organization that does the Tojo clan's dirtiest work behind the scenes. He begins to involve himself in the fight over the empty lot, but his true motives remain unknown. Here we have an old man, (laughs) Takashi Nihara, acting second uh, chairman to the Tojo clan, uh, voiced by Heidi Katsushi. And the man who reigns over the most powerful underworld, underground criminal group in eastern Japan in 1988. As such, Nihara stands as a god among men, especially to the rank and file members of the clan's great families. Is this guy in any other games or is he? I'm pretty sure he died. He's not in the other game. Let me look it up. I want to be 100% sure on this, but... Old men in Yakuza, never. I've never seen it before, so <laughs> I just want to make sure, because I want to be like, yeah, it looks like he's just in Zero, yeah. Well, let's talk, let's look at a, a pretty girl. She doesn't have a last name. Her this, name is just Reina. She is, this 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 babe, this babe is yeah, in other yeah, games yeah. for sure. Sorry, go on. She is the proprietress of Club Serena. She is voiced by Hiromi Tetsuru. Uh, club Serena is a high-class club located on Tenkaichi Street in Kamurocho. While many businesses have their own sphere of influence, Serena's is especially large, and Reina may be the reason why this is enough to attract Nishi, Nishikiyama to the bar, who is a man ahead of the trends. Although she has an elegant air and calm mannerisms, she has a strong will that doesn't bend even against the Yakuza. Damn Oof. right. Look at that. 
So that is uh, Kazuma's side of the story. A lot of lot of guys to take in. Yeah, um, he has a lot of characters yeah. in his story, and so does a Goro. Lot. Goro does, but not as many. I feel like we, we went through thirteen there, and I think there's only like eight for Majima, including Majima himself. Uh, we have Goro Majima, the cage dog manager of the Grand Cabaret, twenty four years old, and voiced by Hidenari Ugaki. Yeah, yeah. Majima is known in Sotenbori as the Lord of the Night for making the Grand so popular in such a short amount of time. However, he is secretly a former Yakuza who is kept under surveillance and treated as a pet, one who can uh, be put down at any moment. Previously a member of the Tojo clan, Majima found himself defying a direct order from his superiors in hopes of saving his sworn brother, Taiga Sejima who the clan had left for dead. But the orders of the Yakuza are absolute, and Majima was locked in a black site and tortured only to be let out and serve in the purgatory of civilian life. Majima continues to manage the Grand, unable to find a way to return to the Tojo clan. That is until one fateful day, he is assigned a dark mission that will guarantee his return to kill someone with his own two hands. They had to, like, put the knife in there, right? They're like, you can't just shoot her from 16 miles away. You got to strangle her and, and enjoy it. And he's like, but I didn't enjoy so, it. No, go on. Did he lose the eye in the torture? Uh, there's a story. I don't know if you want me to. I'm not, I don't want to spoil it. But there is a story where they do a flashback on Yakuza 4. And they explain how he lost his eye. Um, because oh, okay. four is when uh, Taiga, the guy that he saved, uh, Saijima, he's the playable character, and that's when they started adding uh, actual characterizations to Majima. Like they started giving him, like, oh, he has a past with this character, and you're seeing his point of view, uh, uh, who he Majima used to be, instead of this like wild dog that goes around Komorocho crazy right. swinging bats. Because he's insane in the other games, and here he's so calm, and I think that's. I think it's like uh, it, in- obviously intentional, but it, it's like an image he puts his, in the streets of himself, and so you're seeing other people's point of view of Majima. You never see who Majima really is until you meet people that used to know him. You know, like Saijima, and then you finally get to play as Goro right here, and you get to see he's a, you know an actual human being deep down inside. It, is this the first game you play as him? Uh, no, there was Dead Souls, but it was more like they were playing it tongue-in-cheek and like campy horror, and it wasn't series. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time you actually get to play as him in the la- mainline game, the series. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You, you, also, you also played in the Samurai once, but he was playing a character, mm-hmm. I think, so I don't think that counts. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Tatsukasa Sagawa, Retainer. To the Omi Alliance's fifth chairman, patriarch of the Sagawa family, voiced by Shingo Tsurumi. Oh my god. The the names, right? The names, right? I don't. I'm trying. I have to practice. This guy's a great Uh, actor. This guy's a great actor. Yeah, he's. He's good. Sagawa is the owner of the Grand Cabaret and the one who holds Majima's leash. Sagawa makes sure Majima stays in line in. Uh, in Sotenbori and holds the authority to kill him if he feels the need to. He finds Majima in the care in his care after 
Futoshi Shimano, Majima's former boss and Sagawa's sworn brother, hands him the reins. Sagawa doesn't put on the appearance of a Yakuza as he struts through Sotenbori's nightlife like a playboy. Damn right. But he is a danger. <laughs> he is a dangerous man who is not above violence when things uh, don't go the way as planned. He gives Majima the assassination contract that will allow Majima to return to the Yakuza. But little does Sagawa know. The order is about to spiral out of control and leave Majima toward a fate larger than he could ever realize. And what is what is that fate? We don't we don't want to spoil. It. I love his. Um, I love that character. I just love this character. That's all. Like uh, I thought the actor that played him did it perfectly. The scene where they draw out the assassination order is mm. very 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 well done. Like they play it out like a like Quentin Tarantino scene where like they save your the every yeah. moment of it. Majima's a lot of his cutscenes are like Tarantino scenes, very long, lots of dialogue, lots of back and forth, but just like so well written. Yeah, and like the the scene with the the menacing man where he's like in the uh, massage parlor or whatever that is yeah. with that guy. That's good. Yeah. Um. So here we have the blind woman. She's a massage therapist, and she's voiced by Miyuki Sawashiro, an employee of the massage parlor. Uh. Hogushi Kaikan, located near the edge of Sotenbori. Although blind, she uses her skills as a massage therapist to overcome her handicap and make a living. She lives quietly on the edge of Sotenbori, untouched by the modern and fast-paced city. However, she soon finds herself caught in the bloody back and forth of the Yakuza for reasons unbeknownst to her. And I know you know the reasons. Yes. I don't think I know the reasons. <laughs> Play to find out, please. But they, uh, this character has made a lot of uh, Rule 34 uh, content for Sega that's old games. So thank you, Blind Woman. Sorry that the community had to make <laughs> pornography of your character. But oh, it's no. it, but it did sell games, and it, and it probably gave the actress a big, fat paycheck and probably gave her a lot more work. So thanks to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have the God Hand, owner of the massage clinic. He is voiced by Kazunari Tanaka, the owner of the massage parlor, uh, Hogushi Kaiken, where the blind woman works. Despite his terrifying appearance, he is a very friendly and caring man. His skills as an acupuncturist have earned him the nickname of God Hand. However, his sharp eyes are that of a hardened man with no and no ordinary civilian. He seems to be hiding something. He hopes no one will discover. And this guy's cool. I like his cutscenes. Mm-hmm. I think his intro fight is one of the best ones outside of the motorcycle scene in the in the subway mm-hmm. or in the tunnel in the sewer. Yeah, yeah, that one's um, sick. I just think there's like it's so great when he's like yelling. They're yelling at each other, and then they they come in, and then they ding. You remember they like yeah yeah. They like the knife and the the acupuncture needle or whatever it is, just yeah. like meet, and then like it zooms in real slow, and it like. Oh, it's such a... I mean, it's not a great fight, but it's just such a great setup. They do that Um, a lot. Like, yeah, they got their thing down, the studio, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think this this game, like, continually does it. Like, the the fight setups are just so great and over the top. Um, Here we have Homare Nishitani, retainer of the... To the fifth chairman of the Omi Alliance, patriarch of the Kaijin clan... Voiced by Kaiji Fujiwawa. Oh boy. Fujiwara. I like Fujiwawa. <laughs> um, a man whose three tenants are 
of life. Oh, this is like me. Are money, sex, and violence. Oh, yeah. He is loyal only <laughs> to his desires and acts upon them without fear or of consequence. He is an unpredictable man that not even an organization as large as the Omi Alliance can entirely control. Majima may find that his fate is more tied to this man than he could ever hope. He reminds this me... This guy looks... Like Majima. He's like Majima's Majima. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, this guy's basically Majima's Majima. Like, he's the guy that it's a pain in the ass and he has to come in. He's like, this guy's fucking crazy. Why is this guy, he's this guy. So it's like, he's worse than Majima. <laughs> if he's bothering Majima, it's like, how bad is it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, here we have Futoshi Shimano, patriarch of the Shimano family, a Tojo clan subsidiary, voiced by Naomi uh Kazumi, with a hulking figure and an overwhelming presence that commands respect, he is both audacious and brutal. He is also the man responsible for Majima's exile and torture as the head of Majima's former family. Shimano has given over control to Majima to his uh, brother, as we mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, uh This character is in part one, and he was voiced in English by... Guess who? Uh, Mr. The, you know, the guy from Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, uh, Mr. Blonde. Oh, right. So, yeah, he, this is him in the prequel. So, just leaving it out there. He did a really that he didn't even know how Ma- to read Michael the Japanese. Yeah, there you go, Michael Madsen, and he didn't know how to read the Japanese names. He had like trouble. You could tell if you see the promo video for Sega. He's like Fushitara, you have betrayed me. It's like, all right. <laughs> he, so this guy, this is the guy with like the big crazy eyes, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He looks like a PS2 character. Yeah, he's definitely in one. So he's definitely was designed for PS2. <laughs> so he, yeah. Some of these characters look like cartoons. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that, and then guy, and then some uh, other people look exactly like the voice actors. So they look exactly like real people with like even their imperfections. Yeah, well, does Billiken look like... Uh, he looks like he has a... So we're going to talk about Billiken here, the mysterious police officer. Um, I think he looks like he should have a TV show. You know, like on Sunday nights at like 8. And you're like, oh, Billiken's on. We need to watch this. <laughs> this is him right you know, here. Be cool. Yeah. Uh, he's voiced by Rio... God, I'm so sorry, guys. Nakao. On the verge of retirement, Billiken is often seen staring at the river, smoking a cigarette. However, this man is well known in the underground world of Sotenbori. His true identity is more than he lets on. Mm. Mm. What do you think of Billiken? Uh, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> I, is, this, is he the one with the... With the like blue uh jacket. no that's why i'm like he's not okay a beautiful man. he's the old guy in the trench coat okay i I, I didn't put him in the gallery so i have to uh put him up now on the screen sorry oh. he's this guy and he is beautiful look at him he's okay so maybe he lost his hair on top but i still think he's cute all right look at his little trench coat he has on his face <laughs> okay I was thinking about the yeah, the right. next guy. I, I had the next guy of the guy with the. All right, so let's the... look at what George thinks is a beautiful man. We have <laughs> Yamagata, the manager of the Odyssey Cabaret. This guy looks like a cartoon character with his suit. Um, yeah. He's voiced by uh, Kazuya Nakai, and under his management, the Odyssey's popularity is only rivaled by that of Majima's Club. 
the grand. Skilled in always keeping an eye on the trends, he runs his club as smoothly as possible. Currently, he has his eye on a new business model called the Cabaret Club. So, oof. That's Which a lot. Which storylines and cast of characters stood out to you, Majima or Kiros? I think we already answered that. Yeah, we did. We um, talked about it during the... Uh, which of these characters Majima. out? Which one of these characters do you think is the most important to the franchise as a whole outside of Kuro and Majima? I would say, uh, I guess Nishiki because he, he, they added characterizations and actual backstory to uh, them being brothers and just instead of just letting you know like they grew up together, they have a relationship, and you kind of filling in the blanks yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. They finally gave them that chapter, that moment where they uh, they kind of had bonding moments throughout the story that kind of fleshed out his character arc in the Kawami sequel, I guess, technically. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that Nishiki is probably one of the more important characters. Uh, every other character was great. I think they always had a colorful cast of characters, even in the new Yakuza 7. I don't know how they do it, where they pull them out. But they always have this like new take on homelessness and just like the shadows of, of Japan. Everything Japan doesn't want to talk about, like prostitution, gambling, yakuzas. Mm-hmm. They somehow make great stories around all that stuff in the underground world. So kudos to them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> you? And I mean, uh, for me, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to who's the most famous one here. Billiken, probably. I, I really hope Billiken's in every game. Hopefully he has um, his own game. But yeah. Hopefully. Uh, but I, I don't think Yakuza would be what it is without the locations. Um, what makes this game unique is that you're jumping back to 1988. They don't... I mean, it doesn't feel like Stranger Things. Like, it's not like they really hit you over the head and that, we're in the 80s, but uh, there there are some funny things. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of a cell phone, which is kind of a big deal because, uh, you know, in later games in the franchise, like, cell phones are already always there. Mm-hmm. Um, the game's locations include, we have Kamurocho in 1988. It's the city of dreams. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. The city is a bastion, bastion of high-class restaurants, nightlife establishments, and gambling houses. Businessmen Ooh. wave 10,000 yen bills to stop a taxi. Women are dressed in the risque and confident looks of a boom time economy. So this is what America's uh, wishes it was. Right yeah, now. right now, yeah. <laughs> the city is filled with discos, telephone clubs, luxury shops, and quality entertainment establishes establishments. Yet the underbelly of this prosperous city is also home to Eastern Japan's largest Yakuza organization, the Tojo Clan. Their territorial battles make one of the most exciting cities in the world, uh, exciting cities in the East, also one of the most dangerous. So we have two versions of 1988 Japan here. We have Komorocho and the Yakuza series created now, and then we had the look way back with Shimyu, where you played in a little hmm. town, right? Isn't it in 1987 or 88 it takes place? Something, yeah, around there. So it's like they're taking place in almost the same era, but like the tone, tonality and the way that they perceived a story is totally different. Like here, you they really play up the idea that there was a boom, business was good, there was money going everywhere, the city life was huge, disco and all this, everybody was partying it. Uh, and then 
when you play Yakuza, I mean, Shimyu, it's more of a mundane, everyday existence in Japan in a little town, of course. Nobody, there's no, like, mm-hmm. discos. Nobody was flashing money in Shimyu, you know? So what do you <laughs> think about that? Yeah, what do you think about that contrast, I guess, in the way they predicted, like, they uh, celebrated the 80s, I guess? I think it's interesting. Yeah, Shenmue is much more of, like, a sleepy little town, and then you'd go over to China. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you don't spend too much time in Japan, but... I do wonder what it would be like if you were to go to a big major Japanese city in a Shenmue game. That or, is a good point. Like, can, can you imagine if Kazuma and like Ryu met eighteen-year-old Ryu and twenty-year-old Kazuma going to Komarocho, uh, the hostess club, and he's like, "I'm no." Can you imagine Ryu? He's like, "I'm no schoolboy. Of course, I'll sleep with these women." Like, <laughs> yeah, sure, dude. Like trying to like, yeah, right. Show off to Kazuma, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's mean, talk about the let's talk about the other city we have Sotenbori. yep it's the entertainment capital of the west that rivals Kamurocho the city is split in east and west by the Sotenbori river with one side being the lively Sotenbori street and the other having more underground uh, feel called the Shofukucho however similar to how Kamurocho is the home to the Tojo clan Sotenbori is home to Western Japan's largest Yakuza organization, the Omi Alliance. Even for the Tojo clan, Sotenbori is an area that cannot be touched, and any who break that rule will most certainly lose their life. So, uh, I I think we kind of talked about how they deal with uh, Japan in the 80s, but as a fan of the series, is it kind of a trip for you to step back in time and see iconic locations through a new lens? Yes, it is, because like... um... I think they, like I told you before, like Yakuza does this really good thing where they always, like, they always mix or they have something to add to Komorocho. It's like, it's kind of like how Batman, uh, Gotham is part of, he's, the, Gotham's kind of like a character in the comic books. It changes throughout time and throughout what, everything that's happening. And Komorocho is kind of like that, but for like the Yakuza franchise, Komorocho changes throughout history and like, even in seven right now, the Toji, the Tojo clan is down, right? So it's a totally different city. Um, mm-hmm. So zero was this like prosperous time for us. So you get to see it in this like very weird, wacky eighties, probably drug fueled <laughs> <laughs> craziness. So it's very refreshing and cool to see. I so yeah. You now, um, yeah. I I mean I. Again, I'm not that well-versed in the series, but there are some iconic locations that are missing um, that I I would speculate the empty lot plays a part in. So I'm not going to say anything, but Mm -hmm. um, I think once you start playing the first game, you start to really understand what the, the importance of this story is. So this, Um, this game also has like its own location for, uh, uh goro um what do you think of that and like i was just gonna say like like it yeah i I liked it it. and i like they did this same thing in six right where they took you somewhere else i'm always surprised like seven does the same thing there's like a totally new area and i'm like wait wait, wait, what i can go somewhere else Mm -hmm. not Komorocho. i'm like i'm when i put it in a yakuza game i'm already set to be like this is gonna be Komorocho. i'm cool with it but when they like add little things like Four, you could go underground, and or there was roofs. So I was like, "What? You could do this? What? Okay, like I'm, I'm just like happy about it." So yeah, 
I really liked the whole bridge thing, just in terms of like navigating the city. It was a very easy way um, to know where you were, and uh, pretty soon I stopped paying attention to the map just because I got a really good idea of where everything was in the city. Oh yeah. Um, I liked how you could go down. You know, you could like walk down from the bridge and walk along the water. That was pretty cool. Couldn't you fish down there too? I might be wrong, but I think you. Yeah, this one had a fishing game, and it's funny because uh, mm-hmm. the the YouTuber iDubs did a video on all the fishing games, and I think this was one of the games included in that fishing game <laughs> uh, video. So he very he gave a thumbs up, very satisfying fishing. So yeah, I remember that. And you know what? That's a perfect uh, segue here. We have gameplay time. Yes. Uh, an hour into it and we are talking about a video game with gameplay but that just tells you how important character and story is to the Yakuza series because without that what would you have just I guess great gameplay so um, (laughs) well Yakuza offers complex characters and plot gameplay is where the franchise truly shines players freely explore Kamurocho and Sotenbori with the ability to interact with NPCs, triggering side quests, random battles, and mini-games. Notable to Sega fans, much like Shenmue, Yakuza 0 offers players to experience classic Sega games, including OutRun, Super Hang-On, Space Harrier, and Fantasy Zone, as well as virtual UFO catchers. Players can also complete objectives, which grant completion point currency, which can be spent on additional bonuses like special items and upgrades. So there's so much to do, so, so much to do in Yakuza 0, and we will cover as much as we can, but what stands out from you from what I described, and what do you think is the game's strongest quality, and where does the game fall behind compared to past and maybe future games? Um, I guess... Not for new fans, I guess, but like I guess for older fans, uh, there's a lot of repeating things. Like they use a lot of like old systems that they already had in uh, previous titles. If you're just coming in, it's not that huge of a deal because you're like, oh yeah, I've never experienced any of this. This is insane. You could do darts, you could play karaoke, but it kind of right. like there's so much content in this game, so much content that if you play any other Yakuza game, you're going to be a little disappointed assuming that every single game is going to have this much content. It's like mm-hmm. they basically had all these things already created in other games and they're like, all right, use that mini game you made or that dark game or use this and this from this game. And they just put it all together and they finally made a definitive, I guess, uh, prequel game. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I love that they had the old arcade games. Um, uh as for what's the strongest uh, quality of the game, I think the fact that they, they kind of did this thing where Kazuma doesn't really know himself yet, and they kind of told a story of him rising like a dragon through gameplay in a way. Like, you start off with three moves, and I don't want to spoil it, but you finally get you finally settle on what your Yakuza 1 moveset is by the end of the game. But mm-hmm. it takes that... You have to unlock it. It takes that long, and it's like you have these three vast vastly different gameplay styles i thought that was sick they haven't done that before so i feel like before they would have four different characters that play differently now you have two characters that have three move sets each instead of just making it six characters you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's yeah cool. i really like that yeah. um i i also really like the character customization and growth system um which i'm going to mm. get into here actually so why don't i just read about it um, this is actually from uh, Ryo Gagotatsu. 
Ishin, mm. which is a spinoff set in the Bakumatsu period of Japan between 1853 and 1867 with recognizable characters in new roles and settings. So it's kind of like those Simpsons episodes where they're all like in ancient Greece, but they look like the characters from the Simpsons. It's kind of like that. Yeah, and they're they're all like actors. They're like voice actors playing. It's like what I heard Nagashi explain it as. He said it's like if the voice actor was playing Kazuma, who is actually playing this old samurai... As in a play, mm-hmm. and you're playing the game, and I'm like, cool, that's very confusing, but thank you. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really interesting here, because those games never made it to the West. However, here we see that influence, influencing Yakuza 0, because the character system in that game is a lot like this one, where it sees abilities earned by buying them off a skill, skill tree that is unlocked as you play the game. So instead of EXP, players use money earned from fights or side businesses... And uh, I kind of drew the connection here in the notes to New Super Mario Brothers 2 for the uh, 3DS, where the game just features an insane amount of currency, which almost verges on parody. Um, so what do you think about the skill system, and what do you think about the insane amount of money that the game throws at you? Because I- I'll just answer real quick. <laughs> Playing 7, I'm yeah. like, that's all I get? I got 80, 80 yen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Dude, uh, oh my god, don't even... Oh my god, the other night I was playing and I lost three times in a row. Like, I was just doing a random fight and I'm like, I'm going to win this fight. I lost, they take half your currency. And I'm like... <sighs> Say the F word really loud at this point, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it really makes you think, like, how good Kazuma has it. Like, being Kazuma is easy. Like, you go outside, you get 10,000 yen in the first fight you see. You're like stacked up in cash you don't even know what to do with. So especially in the 80s where cash is supposed to be free-flowing and you have so much cash in this game. And if you spend a lot of time in this game and you actually do all the side stuff, oh my god, you're just ridiculously overpowered. And I think that's kind of what this team wanted you to feel like. They wanted you to invest time in the game and thinking you're cheating the game. Like, look how easy I made it. I'm just knocking everybody down. But... You look at your time and you already spent 120 hours to get this character mm-hmm. this strong. And now you, you literally just played the game, dude. Thank you, bro. No problem. Go buy the next one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They do a good job doing that. Where it's like you always want that. They always leave you a little crumb and you want to go to the next crumb to power up the next thing. But yeah. For sure. And playing off the money thing too. Um, in my opinion, the, the game's scariest inclusion is Mr. Shakedown. Oh, yeah. So, Mr. Shakedown, he's a massive man with a funny hat and glasses, at least the, the Shakedown in one of the... There's two of them. Um, uh, and if he finds you, he fights you, and he takes all your cash if you if you lose. And the only way to earn it back is to beat him in a fight. Yeah. So, d- like do you have any Mr. Shakedown horror stories you remember from playing? Uh, I wish I did, but, like, man, I avoided it. I totally, like, if I was going to get to it, I had all my health, all my things up. I cheaped it out as much as possible. I was not getting beaten by him. So definitely not for me because I read about it before I played the game, so I knew about (laughs) it. Like, this is – Yakuza 0 is literally one of the games I had the most info going in because I had to wait so long for it. So I'm, like – 
Oh my god, I even did an article over here that I have like about how I looked at every single 80s track and I went and looked at music videos and posted it on our site because I was so excited mm. that this game was coming out and it was in the 80s and I kind of wanted to yeah, you know, yeah. feel in the way of it. And it's like, yeah, I was pretty obsessed with this game when it was going to come out. So definitely <laughs> was prepared for this. How about you? Uh, for me, I, I would forget about Mr. Shakedown and oh. then I'd be playing the game doing missions and you would just see him walking and he wouldn't see you yet but you'd see him in the background you're just like shit so you stop and you just like i'm gonna find another way and you and you like walk around him it's it's funny it's like jason from like uh you know friday the 13th is just like in the game it's not it's funny it's kind of funny because he's the only guy that could out chad uh kazuma like he's like taller than kazuma he has a fedora my ladies Mm -hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. They're watching this, you know. This is the man right here. He's the Chad Alpha uh, of uh, <laughs> Kamarocho. <laughs> but yeah. Um, another major part of the game are the side businesses. As Kiro players find themselves in charge of their own real estate agency's administration, they defeat the rivals known as the Five Billionaires in a strategic <laughs> battle to obtain real estate, money, and superior, uh, supremacy among the elite. As Majima, you manage a cabaret club on the verge of closure in Sotenbori. Fight against the five stars, the other club managers who aim yeah. to control Sotenbori's nightlife and become Sotenbori's number one club. Side quests will sometimes result in NPCs offering to help with your business, making it easier for them to progress without your total involvement. Um, if you do spend more of your time in side businesses, you'll unlock additional abilities in the skill tree system. So, did you get into these? Because I'll admit, I didn't. I didn't got, really get I into got, the side business. Well, yeah, especially because I think the estate business doesn't even start until like chapter some crazy like seven or some crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Like some of these systems, they like slowly trickle in in the story. So, like you have to complete parts of the story to get some of this stuff, and it's like it all connects. Like. Uh, I kind of, if I had to choose between both of these, I like the real estate business thing because I just like the fact that all, all these NPC characters were in charge of properties. Like, I like that Nugget is keeping track of businesses for me, and it's very. Let's talk good. about Nugget. Tell people who right. Nugget is. He's a a uh, is it a, a female or a male? I'm a, it's a male, right? That's a rooster. I mean, I live in a farm my whole life, and I'm over here asking. He's a rooster. <laughs> Nugget's a rooster. He's a boy. He's a He's a cock, as you will say. Please don't censor me, YouTube. It's I'm talking about the rooster. Um, he, you unlock him via the bowling, bowling alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the main prize, and he, you're like he became. I think Nugget sold more copies of Yakuza Zero than any marketing any Sega person ever hired. Whoever created Nugget and made that scene where you get Nugget and it's like awkward. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he's like, hi, Nugget. And like, the smile, everything, the way it's drawn out. That person sold more copies of uh, Yakuza 0 than anybody ever. I mean, I don't know if you would agree with that. <laughs> no, I do. I do think Nugget sold copies. He's in 7, too, I believe, isn't he? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Nugget does return. <laughs> I just think it's so funny, a chicken. Uh, but that, hey, that's the humor in Yakuza. Um, I can't believe he's still me, alive. I, I prefer the real estate business because it kind of runs itself. Um, the 
I don't know, because I just want to get through the game and play the story. So when I was doing a lot of like the business management, I'm like, how much is this time is this going to take me? Uh, thankfully, it's not like super, super important. Like you should do it, but it's not going to kill you. Because um, really, the meat and potatoes of Yakuza is fighting. So a major innovation of Yakuza 0 is the addition of fighting styles for Kuro and Majima which players can switch on the fly in battle, as we mentioned. Kazuma has a brawler style, similar to past games, as well as a powerful beast mode, which utilizes uh, heavy weapons, and then a faster rush style, which has increased mobility. Meanwhile, Mojima uses the thug style, which is a weapon, uh, and also a weapons-based slugger style, which uses a baseball bat, and the dance-based breaker style, uh, side missions unlock legendary styles, which include the Dragon of Dojima and the Mad Dog of Shimano styles. Yep. So encountering random enemies on the streets will kick off a fight. But if you wish, you can toss money in the air to distract potential <laughs> threats and go about your business. So um, at the time, which was really not that long ago, uh, was this a big enough innovation in the Yakuza formula to keep things fresh? Yeah, I think the multiple... Uh, fighting styles were like it was pretty interesting being able to switch through it I actually I usually don't like when when I was playing Judgment um, I was like they have two styles one for like a, a group of enemies and one supposed to be made for like one to one encounters I legit mm-hmm. just used the one in one encounters because it did so much damage I'm like dude I'm literally killing them in like two moves with the one on one so I would just like kill them as fast as possible and I'm like yeah I just used it the only annoying thing was that like if you would dodge someone he would like sometimes go hey man like I dodged that but it's but they keep on the if, it, if it's a group of enemies they keep hitting you so it's like Oh, I see. It's made to be a single combat, so it shouldn't matter. But <laughs> since like there's more enemies, they they continue hitting you, so that could be annoying. But this one had three style, like you said, multiple styles, and I I kind of love the fast one with uh, Kazuma because he had this like <laughs> where he would like move on screen ridiculously fast. Yeah, and then I like he, that and, too. And you would be able to dodge like five times or some crazy amount. So like, it, it, I love movement in games sometimes, like moving super fast back in and out of fights and stuff, you feel really godlike. And I think with Kazuma, with his rush style, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, the beast mode, it was it was pretty interesting doing a combo where he just like grabs weapons through the middle of the combo and starts swinging it automatically. That's pretty interesting in, in its own way. And then the regular one was just kind of regular. And as for mm-hmm. Majima, like it's his were just insane like the fact that he has a bat and then all of a sudden he has like a break dancing ability where he's just like <laughs> the animation is totally crazy and different like they had to like motion capture all this stuff and like make gameplay around it so it's like they put a lot of effort into the three style stuff that you start off with and then you later on involve uh I, so i say yeah it does make a big difference and i think they made it refreshing enough it's something you didn't expect uh what do you think no, I, I loved it. Um, I, I almost feel like going back to the other games, it feels a little shallow to me. Yeah. Um, but it's understandable because this game, despite being a prequel, like takes place before the final game. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, I enjoy it. And I also love the mini games. I mean, as mentioned, there was the Sega stuff. Uh, there were gambling games, cat fights, telephone clubs, private videos, telephone card collecting, fishing, darts billiards karaoke bowling and more 
Um, I'm sure I missed some, but what do you think is your favorite and least favorite? All right. The fishing is good. I agree with that. But people sleep on the pool. This game has a great pool. And I think, I don't know if this one is the one that has it, the casinos, but like the the poker is so addicting too. Like they have a great, I mean, I think almost every game could easily have a good poker game. So mm-hmm. maybe not. Uh, I wish I was good at so- Shoji and like the other stuff they have in it. I always want to learn it and I always go, this is the game I'm going to sit down and learn. And then I look at Sega's like tutorial in the game and it's like, 18 pages i'm like all right shut it down going to the karaoke bar for a while um i think in in this game i think all the little 80s thing like the like the little sleazy like vhs like corner things add character to kamurocho where like it's a little sleazy and like this is stuff that japan doesn't want the world to see i like that angle of the way they do it and they they do it so lighthearted. it's like we're all human right we're all perverts we all have like perverted you know what i mean but the way Japan like tries to like hide it, and this team is like, you know, we're gonna put this in a video game where heroic people are like uh, talking on the phone, and uh, you know what I mean, or trying to pick <laughs> up women, or have these, you know, wacky characters. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I like that one with the little words floating around that you pick the right yeah. one. Like, what's what's your favorite thing about me? And, and I, kneecaps. Oh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think talk. Speaking of weird, we should talk about the. Um, sub stories or submissions so this game has a lot of them i wanted to take a moment to discuss a few so i actually checked out the yakuza zero official english website and they had four pictures and and i was like immediately i looked at all four and i knew what they were so we're just going to take a look at these see if we can uh guess which sub sub story it is and maybe share our thoughts on them so this first one it's uh kiro wearing a a sweater around his neck and pointing. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I think this is when he was going to become an actor. A film director, right? A film director. Yeah, there you go. You got it. (laughs) Film director. Yeah, I knew it was something to do with film and like such a bizarre mission. And like, I like how they made a whole outfit for him. Like they, somebody had to put that on the model, right? Make that outfit for him. Very cool. Yeah, I like it. Next uh, one? The next one we have, I like oh. this one. It's the uh, Dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this, she this one's all over the internet. Ask, yeah, she's asking Kiro for Dominatrix advice, pretty and much. Our, and our boy goes through <laughs> with it. You know, he's a he's a virgin, but he's gotten spanked before. You know, it's oh yeah, you can you be know. a virgin and get spanked. That's okay. Uh, next one is the statue guy. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Ha- I think he has a multiple ones, and I think he goes with um, Gora Majima, right? He's part mm-hmm. of Gora Majima's story, so yeah. He has to go pee, right? I think so. Yeah, and you have to help him or something, and then everybody's like, you have to distract people. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, yeah. look over here, look at me, and the guy's like, I'm yeah, sneak away and go pee. Uh, and then the fourth one here. This is my favorite one. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I don't remember he this was guy. The, he was the one who's like, hey, have you heard of bag phones? And he's like, what? <laughs> he goes, they're great, bag phones. It's a phone inside a bag, but I need batteries. Oh, I really want to let you try it, but I don't have batteries. Can you go buy me batteries? And then you're like, you bring the batteries, and then he has like another problem. Oh, okay, and okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just keeps talking about bag phones. <laughs> uh, have you seen the the side mission where Kazuma has to date a girl because 
her because her dad like he told her dad that like she's dating someone so she needs someone and the person that she described to him on the phone looks exactly like majuma so she needs majuma to pretend to be her boyfriend so i it's remember like, that one yeah, yeah i i just thought it was so ridiculous i just love that ridiculous over the top like yeah i described someone with an eye patch with slick back hair exactly with like you to my dad is this the game with the cult that you have to break up Hmm, I'm trying to remember. Man, I, the cult. It might be. You go it in and they're be. all wearing like white uniforms or something. Let me see. Wow, I can't I can't even type anymore. I, th- I think so. It's like my daughter went missing. She joined a cult, you know. Disciple of the uh, New Order. Yeah, it's in yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's just so much funny stuff. Uh, nothing yeah. beats the diaper, the diaper men, though, in uh, Yakuza. Which one is that? Oh, they're back, by the way, in the new game. So go buy Yakuza Seven. That's all I'm going to say. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll come. They'll come uh, up more. The most unexpected moments. So don't worry about it. And this isn't a question, but would you be? Would you be a baby man for one day? It depends how much they paid me. I mean, uh, we might make it a Patreon for free. Today. You're not getting paid. <laughs> no, would you do it? no, for free. No, probably not. <laughs> I hated being a baby. It sucked when I was a baby. So I don't want to go back. You don't have to use the diaper. You just start in it. Like, and then you have to act like a baby. Like, ugh, yeah. being a baby. Come on, let's be honest. Being a baby sucked. <laughs> it does. Um, so, moving on to development here, Yakuza Zero was announced at a special Yakuza event on August twenty fourth, twenty fourteen. The game was directed by Kazuki Hosokawa, whose past credits include Panzer Dragoon's Y. Jet Set Radio, Panzer Dragoon Orta, Ollie King, and almost every Yakuza game. He uh, which he was elevated to art director for Kenzen 3 and 4 and director of Dead Souls and 5. He also worked on Kiwami and Judgment, so that's quite a portfolio. The game oh, yeah. was produced by Masayoshi Yokoyama of Jet Set Radio, Sonic Riders, the Yakuza series, Fist of the North Star, North Paradise, Fame. And then we have Mitsu... Hiro Shimano as the other producer who worked on Mad World, Infinite Space, Bayonetta, Resonance of Fate, Yakuza Zero, Kiwami, Kiwami Two, and Six. That's spread. so he really seemed to be Platinum Games is like Sega guy, pretty. Oh much. yeah, for sure. That's quite a portfolio there. That's pretty cool that you would go from the uh, Platinum Games stuff right into Yakuza. Um, the game was designed by Koji Yoshida uh, and programmed by Yakato, uh, Yataka Ito of Fighting Vipers, Fighters Megamix, and F-Zero GX. Hey, we just talked about that. Yes, we did. Um, and then written by Masayoshi Yokoyama, who we just talked about earlier, and then composed by Heidi Nori Shoji, who worked on Virtua Cop 2. Virtua Fighter 3, Fighting Vipers 2, and F-Zero GX. Which we so, what, looked at tracks. Which and we, we, also, we Yeah, we, we talked about yeah. the tracks sounding exactly like Yakuza. And here we are, talking about Yakuza and the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So what are your thoughts on this team? And what past accomplishments do you think contributed to this being a great game? I think them kind of like going in all in with what fans liked. I think uh, they used to do a lot of pools in Japan. Um, I think there was even that meme that I uh, shared where I... Th- I don't know if it's the writer. 
that was was talking about one of the guys from Yakuza was talking about how what's the difference between Japan and the and in the West and he said in Japan it's eighty percent females that show up and in the West it's all bodybuilding men in France, um, <laughs> so it's like yeah like they kind of pander to this like audience in Japan like these women audience are like these outrageous like tough like you know like kind of like soap opera dramas over there right where it's like these tough men in the dark, you know, fringes of society, but they're really good guys that you could bring home to mom. Like Kazuma and uh, Majima, they, they really have women's best interests in heart. They're, sh- <laughs> they're old school, you know, they're uh, something, they're not like the new guys, I guess. They're like very old spirited Yakuza men, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, For me, looking at the, the games these guys worked on, it really reminds me that you know, when we're on Twitter, we see people saying, I want another Jet Set Radio. I want another Fighting Vipers. What's going on? And it's like, dude, these guys are busy making Yakuza games. Like, if people only knew, but it's not up to Sega to, like, advertise that. So I understand. But still, it's like, if you remember with uh, Billy Hatcher, it had, like, a, a thing on the front saying, from the creators of Sonic. Like, they had to remind people. And it makes me wonder if, in marketing this, if it would ever help to be like, hey, the guys who made, like, Jet Set Radio are making these games. You know? It's like... Yeah. Um, because, for me, like, knowing that and then going into this game, I'm like, yeah, Jet Set Radio is, like, quirky, has a lot of goofy characters, it's a it's a strange take on Japan. And so when I go into this game and there's, like, Nugget and, like, Baby Men and things like that, like doesn't really throw me i'm like yeah that makes sense that people who worked on jet set radio would work on that and in the same token like panzer dragoon people worked on this and i can kind of see that just in terms of like this epic nature there's a a lot of lore being written um so i don't know i just i think it's really interesting especially with the fighting too we have uh some fighting vipers people here from the programmer to the music so you know Sega games, we might not see, like, new Fighting Vipers or new Jet Set Radio games, but there is definitely, like, a a DNA there. Yeah, especially with Yakuza games. Like, Mm -hmm. Sega stamped everywhere here. All the characters in the city, the arcades. uh, So definitely, this is kind of like the last old-school Sega-type video game, but you're seeing it in AAA, like... Before every single Sega game would have a good reference to a Sega thing randomly, right? Like Sega mm-hmm. logo in the background. This was like the only ones that I could see them doing it now. I, I can't really like see Sakura Wars where it's its own like world having a Sega arcade randomly, you know what I mean? And I'm glad you brought that up too because I, I didn't have it in my notes, but you know there was the news recently that um, Sega has sold off a majority share of their arcade management company. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing people, and people were like, God, this is so sad. Sega's dead. The Sega I knew. And I was thinking, these guys, like 99% of them have never been to Japan, have never been to a Sega arcade. But then I was uh... thinking about it and writing the notes for this, and I'm like, that's not technically true. They've played the Yakuza games, and they've been to like virtual Sega arcades. So there is some level of like familiarity and experience there, even if it is through a virtual experience so I, yeah of course I, like, went, I went to all of them i mean i went to the one in komorocho <laughs> did you <laughs> yeah yeah of course so i mean it's just it's interesting to see that this game really gives you a little flavor of that and to see the club sega it's just so exciting because you're like you know i'm gonna take a break i'm gonna play outrun i'm gonna play uh 
a space harrier. You know, oh, it's yeah. just it's so much fun. Um, I, I thought it was interesting here. So in my uh, in my journeys of finding information about the game, very little was said from the game's creators. Uh, then again, if you look at what they were doing at the time, they were so busy they probably didn't have time to sit down to do interviews because they were like finishing up five games at once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as far as why make a prequel, Game of Game Informer actually talked to Western localization producer Sam Mullen this very question, and we actually had Sam on a podcast uh, several years ago. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Um, his answer was. It's kind of a tricky question since obviously this game was developed in Japan and for a Japanese audience. It's difficult to speak on behalf of the Japanese development team. What we can say is that the mainline games had numbered up to five released over a year ago on the PlayStation 3. Yakuza 0 is the first mainline game on the PS4, so by taking it back to the starting point, it gives new players a place to start and and step into the series if you're familiar with the characters already. There's stuff here and there that serves as fan service. However, you can step into Yakuza 0 without any context and play it for what it is and get into the series. And with the finale of Kuro's story coming soon in Yakuza 6, it felt pretty integral to allow people to cha- uh, a chance to step into the story. Um, on December 5th, 2015, at the PlayStation Experience event in San Francisco... Sony's Geo Corsi announced that Yakuza 0 would be coming to the Americas for the PS4. At the time, this was a big deal. Do you remember that, George? Yes, I do remember that. It was kind Huge of insane. Deal. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a lot of people in the fan community that were pushing for this, especially Yakuza fan website. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like very hard pushing for five at least. And so, yeah, well, yeah. it was great. And it's interesting because a year prior at that same event, they made the announcement of Yakuza 5 for the West, which saw a digital release only just days after Yakuza 0's Western announcement. So there was like a little bit of crossover here. Um, It is interesting, though, to think then that you're like, oh, my God, Yakuza 0 is coming out and Yakuza 5 is coming out in three days. Um, Also, Yakuza 0 was only nine months old in Japan. So the announcement came far closer to Japan's release than 5 ever was. However, when the game actually did release is another story, which we'll get to. Um, Following Yakuza 4's 2011 release in the West, the series was thought to be dead in the West until Yakuza 5 saw a release three years after the original Japanese release. Even then, like I said, it was digital, which which was disappointing and a sign that Sega did not have hope for the franchise. Yakuza Zero's announcement showed that the fifth game's release was a success, at least we think, and the series saw revival, which was fitting given Yakuza Zero's prequel nature. Some see Yakuza Zero's Western release as a revival and reboot of the franchise in the West that has gone strong for almost five years now. So, George, how do you think Sega fixed Yakuza's marketing in the West? And how did you react to Five and Zero's announcements? Uh, I was pretty hyped when they finally said that they were going to bring Five, since I waited so long for it to finally come out, and it was—I knew it was so massive that I was like, "I'm surprised it finally came out." And I'm surprised that Sony finally had uh, Yakuza up on stage because that's kind of rare. Because you know, like Yakuza before this it wasn't really at Sony events. Sony in America would kind of like not really 
give it a showcase. It was always like EA games or whatever. So mm-hmm. uh, Sony giving its uh, backing in the West was interesting. I think that's what made new fans actually give it a try. I think they also gave out some of the games. I think they gave out five and four on PS Plus. That also did it to like kind of boost uh, people's uh, reception to the games. I think all mm-hmm. these little things they did, getting more people to play it, and just trusting that the, the franchise is good enough, uh, did it. I um, I think when Yakuza Zero came out, they also gave us like a code. Who I would say like, oh, man, like a month before the game mm-hmm. was officially announced, so you had so much time to play it. Seven, they like gave it away like. Two days before the 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 official <laughs> review code period's done, so that was hard to do, especially when you have to grind in that game. Um, this one, they gave you so much time that uh, a lot of streamers that usually would never cover this game, or reviewers that have a lot of uh, clout, a lot of uh, followers, started reviewing it. Like Angry Joe, uh, Donkey did really good videos on like the absurd uh, parts of the game that got people mm-hmm. to want to buy it. Uh, big streamers, I'm probably missing a bunch, but they started playing it and uh, recommending it to other people. And I think just the right time for the franchise, like this whole like uh, older people like us becoming like uh, having a platform. Like there's people with huge platforms that are our age. They used to play Sega games. They were playing now Yakuza. They're telling mm-hmm. their audience that's younger to go play it. And now we have a younger audience. I feel my. I don't want to. I don't want to take too much time, but I feel like. The new Yakuza audience after five is a way younger audience that uh, played Shimu. Like some, I think most of them don't even know what that is, and they don't really care. Yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, um, I, I just think it's a new audience. That's it. I think Sega is just smart to drop the it's GT, it's Grand Theft Auto in Japan thing, and really embrace so the community. I think what they really did well with this one um, is they started to embrace the community reaction, what the community liked. Rather than telling the community what the game was and what they should like. So instead of being like, guys, it's edgy, they're swearing, it's Grand Theft Auto Japan, basically. There's gangsters, Mark Hamill's in it. Check it out. Michael Madsen. Um, Bad instead boys. They were like, Good. Yeah, instead, they were like, let's throw it to people, like you said, for a month early. And then they were like, oh, they're reacting to Nugget. They're reacting to throwing money in the air. They like the briefcase. And so they would bring that into the marketing and play it up. It's like if it's working for people, then streamers or, you know, uh, uh, fan sites or something like that, it must be working for other people. Um, For me, I was really excited to see the franchise finally come back. It just seemed like it was on life support, probably ready to die and just be Japan only, which was such a mistake. Like this this time period of time just sucked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know? when Sega was restructuring, and I think, yeah, I hope not, but I think we might be seeing them tightening the belt with COVID and all the things that is happening. I hope not. Mm-hmm. I hope Yakuza Seven does uh, way more than it was expected, so we get more Yakuza goodness. But yeah, yeah, I hope so too. And we get it tomorrow. I'm so excited. I mean, I ha- I have it, but I'm excited to say. get that steel put in hand. Uh, um, I bu- I bought the picks yeah. in the picks in love edition and the. Uh, I'm not going to ship it till uh, December. I paid a hundred bucks for 2023, it. Twenty twenty three, December twenty twenty three. What are you serious? Don't <laughs> scare me, dude. I'm just kidding. You got me. You got me scared. Like limited run games has like a thousand <laughs> games they owe me. So give yeah, me those me games. <laughs> <laughs> um, so despite the twenty fifteen announcement, fans had to wait until July twenty sixteen, 
when it was announced that the game would see release in America's and Europe for PS4 in January 2017. So that's quite quite a long wait. However, the Western localization, it was led by Scott Stitchart, who I think he just left Sega, didn't he? Oh, God, I think he did. Oh, man, we can't yeah. talk about him. Who? I don't remember. No, I'm joking. Right? No. <laughs> he he was an associate job. producer. Yeah, he was an associate producer at Atlas USA, and I don't really get into it in the notes, but like... When Sega acquired Atlas, we were all like, what are they going to do with them? What are they going to do? And they you know, showed here that they used the talent they had to finally start bringing over games, which was great. Um, and uh, Scott, he later localized Yakuza Kiwami, Kiwami 2, and Yakuza 6. The project took a year and a half with 1.8 million Japanese characters to translate, which is nearly twice the amount of a normal RPG Additionally, the team had to translate tone and humor and provide more detailed instructions for games like Mahjong and Shogi. Uh, Stitchart said the team wrote a total of 34 pages of Mahjong explanation. So that's... This is, what I, this is what I'm talking about. How am I supposed to play Mahjong? I don't have time to study. Like, dude, you want mm-hmm. me to like take a second job? Like, all right, so I'm going to study some Mahjong just in case I go to Japan and I find a homeless person in the, in the streets to challenge my, I mean, nothing against Mahjong, but if a game is that complex, <laughs> is it really worth playing? You know? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's so fun. I hope it's so fun after you learn it that you yeah. just can't stop playing it. Because if not, then it's kind of a waste of time studying 34-page <laughs> manual. I, I did find this interesting thing about the Chinese language version that I wanted to show here. So it was released in May 2015, and it replaces the face of a character named Lao Gui the Chinese mm. assassin of the Dojima family with a face of the um, face model of Hong Kong actor Sam Lee. Because so. they, they literally made the Chinese guy look like a monster and it's like kind of, I don't want to say it's racist because it's just a guy. I mean, there's ugly people everywhere, I get it, but like they kind of made him look ghoulish, like some sort of like dead person yeah. zombie. And the actor, I think, uh, I think they thought this is more acceptable for the Chinese market, where this game and franchise was growing, and they were being more careful on how they uh, portray Chinese people. I think I don't think the Japanese have a good track record with just <laughs> no. portraying Chinese. Um, no. We've seen it in Ghostbusters when we did that game with the Chinese restaurant guy. We kind of see it in Shenmue. Like I don't think they're portrayed all that great. Like some of the characterizations look a little, and it's supposed um, to be. And this is and this is getting the point of view from Yu Suzuki, who loves Chinese culture and used to like stay there on Sega's check to do research mm-hmm. uh, a lot and get drunk. And he said that he drank in a lot. At, <laughs> he said in a story that he drank at a temple. That's all. Like at some temple with some oh. like kung fu people, and then they punched him in the stomach or something. I was reading, but it's like. He loves China, and he still has a track, not a good track record. So imagine some people that just lived in China their whole life. I mean, Japan yeah. their whole life, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Shonen Nokaze performed the game's main theme and ending theme, Bubble and Kurinai, respectively. These songs uh, were not licensed for the English release and were instead replaced by original instrumental tracks. So I wanted to just take a moment to openly discuss the game's soundtrack. I didn't really do too many notes on it. Uh, it was composed by uh, Heidi Nori Shoji and various others. The soundtrack features a ton of music. Um, I'm just going to say right now, uh, f- what is it, Friday Night, that track stands out to me. What track stands out to you? 
I was going to just blast Friday night right now, but I guess, um, let me just put it on for a couple seconds. All right, now that we got the mood going, uh, um, what stood out to me, I mean, it's just the vast amount of tracks and the vast amount of great tracks. Like, you'll be playing the game and, like, randomly going to some shop and you're like, hey, that background music, that's a sick track. I could, like, literally use that in one of our videos. So I'm going online <laughs> researching what album's from and then I notice it's, like, 37 albums, right? They released, like two disc Majima collection and they released the, and it's just the best of and then they released the mm -hmm. two disc like uh, Kazuma edition and then they have the complete version and then they have the and then they have a lot of tracks that are never used so if you go to uh, YouTube and put Yakuza 0 uh, un, like basically uncredited or something like where they're not on albums uh, and I think they called it unreleased but uh, you hmm. can find a bunch of tracks that didn't make it there were, some of them are great I think it's incredible amount of music to put on here and the amount of high quality music to put on here uh friday night is just one of those random like tracks just randomly in here that has its own like weird bubble pop style that like doesn't even match the fighting music that's like like f-zero we talked about like that friday night song sounded nothing like the f-zero music we we heard <laughs> you know like heavy yeah. guitars uh rock metal kind of a, a feel to it so yeah they uh they cover a lot of genres. It's a fantastic soundtrack. Um, I don't think we'll ever get a data disc version because we'll have to have it uh, maybe released on 16 uh, vinyls. And then they'll charge us like probably going to buy a house. <laughs> they'll probably charge you your house as a down payment and like the life of your firstborn or something. And I'm like, damn, I don't know. I like my kids, you know, but like I need the well, soundtrack. <laughs> They're giving Shenmue three of all games a uh, like eleven vinyl release, three. which is like three. Yeah, like, I know isn't that's it what eleven I said. vinyls or something. Like, dude, I, yeah, I saw it and I was like, oh, I kind of wish they did this. And I don't mean for people to think like we hate Shenmue. We love Shenmue. We but it's just like the third game in the franchise, which is like not the strongest, and then the soundtrack, which is not the strongest the str either. Strongest. Is getting a complete vinyl release. It's just, I don't know. It seems silly it's an, to me. It's crazy that Data Disc didn't pick up Shenmue Three for at least the best of selection, so you could have all three look the mm -hmm. same in their uh, yeah. art. And they even did a slip cover for one and two. So I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to complain. I don't want to make this the Shenmue complain podcast. No, 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 no. Um, but in addition to the end game music in Japan, there was a mixed CD of Japanese eighties pop and rock called. Uh, Yakuza Zero 80s Hits Collection. Which I did an edition. article about. Yeah, Sorry, it's uh, a cool one. The first edition, it has uh, Kiro and Majima's voice actors singing Angel and Runner. Uh, the album contained a code that allowed player uh, owners of the Japanese version of the game to unlock an in-game Walkman, which allows players to replace in-game music with tracks from the 80s Hits Collection. That's, that's pretty sick. cool. Uh, Yakuza Zero. It released a f two favorable reviews upon release, with Famitsu awarding it a 36 out of 40. The game debuted at number one in Japan during its first week, and the PS3 and PS4 versions sold 146,000 and 90,000 units, respectively. Mm -hmm. uh, Western publications they imported it and loved it. They gave it nine out of tens, and PS Lifestyle said it was the best in the series so far. The game made several best-of lists 
And we here at Sega Bits, we named the game as a runner-up to the best, uh, as the best Sega game of that year, second only to Sonic Mania. Uh, the Segabits Review re- awarded it a B plus, noting smooth frame rates, detailed character models, fresh fighting styles, and a great soundtrack. Negatives included reused assets and over-explaining dialogue. George, do you stand by the score and assessment, and is Sonic <laughs> I, Mania I still think... above zero for you, or are you going to apologize right now, you, you asshole? <laughs> I'm going to have to say I might go back on it. I think I, I was very, like, I think... At this time, I was like, dude, I've played so many Yakuza games that I was like, oh, they just clean up the dialogue a little bit more and like stop. Uh, or you, you, you understand what I'm talking about when you read I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like where it's like, let me explain how this engine works. And then you get out of it and, and then you come back and they over explain it again. And you're like, dude, three times in a row you did this already. All right, I get it. But uh, maybe I was a little harsh. I think maybe it's an A, A, A minus. So maybe I, I, it's I, it was underrated even back then for me. So uh, what about you? You also said that Sega Sonic Mania was better than this game. So don't don't please don't try to give me that no, bullshit. No, I, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Sonic Mania. I still enjoy that over this, just because I'm a big Sonic fan. But I, I would say Yakuza Zero is an excellent game. I don't think it's been topped personally. Um, Though I feel like 6 from what I've played is very strong and uh, 7 is very strong in its its own ways. Um, it's worth talking about too. I didn't put it in the notes, but the business launch edition, if you remember that. I've got it here. Oh, yeah. And they um, did a trailer for it with the localization team. They did it yeah. themselves. Yeah. It's cool. cool. So the game just has a normal plastic case, but it came in a cardboard box. You got a little pouch, cute little pouch here. Inside was a business card holder with the tattoo designs. Mm-hmm. And then when you open that up, it comes with three cards. So there is the, uh, what are these, the Cabaret Girls or the Phone Card Girls? Who's that? I, I think they're the Cabaret Girls. I'm not sure. Yeah. I can't and then you can flash the um, Goro Majima business card, which is translated on the back. And then the Kazuma Kiro business card for real estate oh there it is perfect so, yeah like i think the, that's cool nice in-game items in real life i love that kind of thing yeah uh, and so they i mean uh, they've kind of made it a practice after that because this, that was a big deal because i mean not only was this game getting a physical release after the fifth game went digital but they gave us like freebies that's cool um I'm trying to think what else we've seen. We've seen a lot of steelbooks. The Kiwami games had steelbooks. Yakuza 6 had a massive um, edition. Collectors. uh, Yeah, like chocolate glasses and like uh, art book and uh, super slick packaging. Oh, and um, uh, uh, whiskey rocks that you could put in the freezer to get them nice and cold. And then um, then the art book had another version, which was the Essence of Art edition, which was a, a, a digi book that you'd put the disc inside. So, I mean, yeah. they have not been cheapening out with the Yakuza games. Now, you might say like Judgment or um, Fist of the North Star, they didn't really do too much with. I think they might have come with like stickers, <laughs> you know? I th- yeah, it came but, with stickers um, and it came with like a reversible cover. But still, that's something. Yeah. And... We, we talk on the Segabits Discord, which you guys can check out. It's on Segabits' website. There's a link to it. Um, how 
we think it would be kind of cool if they re-release these games to PS4, maybe push the the forwards compatible PS5 stuff, uh, backwards compatible PS5 stuff on it, and do uh, steel books for each yeah. game. Would you would you buy that? Like if these are like twenty dollar steel books. Well, you you were talking about just like what merchandise fans would want and everything you posted. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'll buy that. And I was like, man, I really hope Sega doesn't go too crazy on merchandise because. Yeah, I would buy it. And that's, like, the sad part is that, like, I own so much Yakuza <laughs> stuff. I even have, like, some of the Japanese releases because I'm, like, I'm never going to see this in the West, right? And yeah, I even I, have I, Yakuza 5 sitting there, and I'm like, oh, they did release it in the West. But I, I threw up anyway. to social media to people, like, would you want to see, like, a Yakuza encyclopedia or a Yakuza novel or comics? And, like, everyone seemed to dig the ideas. I honestly think, like, a visual encyclopedia, kind of like those DK books that you get where it's like big character pictures, character art, um, bios, and then telling like what the relation is and maybe like a uh, uh, Tojo family like tree, you know, showing all the connections to everyone. I think that would be really sweet. So like if you're playing Yakuza 3, you're like, who is that guy? And you can look them up and read, oh, they're in this game and that. I think that would be sweet if they did that, especially now that the the series is kind of wrapped up at least um, with 6. And sevens its own thing. Um, I don't know. We get. I have two shelves of Sonic books here. I don't see a single Yakuza book. So, what's that tell get you? Do it. <laughs> so let's let's um, wrap things up here uh, before we share our final thoughts. I think it's worth it talking just about um, some of the memorable moments and memes that came from the game. We already discussed Nugget. Uh, hello chicken your name will be nugget Um, beautiful (laughs) beautiful beautiful Uh, the money briefcase I don't really know if this is a thing or if it's more like an us thing but anytime we talk about Sega's financial reports um, or when we do videos we always seem to use this graphic I did it most recently for the uh, Yakuza movie that was announced where it was filled with popcorn he was opening the briefcase um I don't know. You can. What, what do you think about money briefcase? Let's spend thirty minutes talking about that. Uh, oh, the money briefcase is a beautiful meme. It's like take my money. This is the new <laughs> take my money. I've seen people use it all the time. So definitely That's not good. just us. Good. Um, the next one is I think everyone's favorite. That kind of like broke worldwide. That even yes. the voice actors yes. talked about. Yes. Uh, so in twenty twenty. Yeah. Are we gonna watch it first? Uh, I, I put one of Alex Jones. If I, should I just play it? Let me uh, let me put the thing on. But yeah, basically, yeah, sure. if you're watching the video, can you explain to him before I play it? It's like what the sure. deep fake is. So so in 2020, an internet meme emerged that utilized deep fake technology, which uh, took like someone's face and then it kind of animates it over another video or another mm-hmm. uh, animation, and it generated videos of people and fictional characters singing the chorus of. Baka Mitai, or I've Been a Fool, which is a song from the game's karaoke midi games. Um, most iterations of the meme use a 2017 video uploaded by user Dobby's <laughs> Rules, who lip syncs the Yakuza. Yeah, yeah, he, he lip syncs the Yakuza 5 and Yakuza 0 version of the song as a template. Um, uh, I do I do want to bring up that they have this song in English and the dub people actually sing the song in English. That's so that's crazy, what I, right? That's what I wanted to say. So this meme was like adopted by Sega, which like I said, again, is smart of them. This is not what old Sega would do if they were like, oh, someone's picking up on something 
wacky in Yakuza 2, they'd be like, good for them. All right, GTA 3, Yakuza 3, you know, like, they wouldn't give a shit. But here, they're embracing it. So Yakuza 7, they bring the song back, they translate it. Bakamita, you know, like... <laughs> they, they they sing it in English, so you get to see more of it. It's it's very cool. Uh, I'm going to play the Alex Jones singing it. Hopefully you can hear it. Beautiful. And... Very sad. I love that he's looking at his dog that died. In the video, and then right here we have Alex Jones singing there. It's like it, this meme reached like ridiculous like success. It was ridiculous. I don't even know where it came from or how it got so popular, but it was like everyone had it. Like even like I saw some celebrities like retweeting them doing it because people were sending it. So it's like pretty crazy that the the voice actor of Kazuma is known for a meme and might not be known for his work as Kazuma Kiryu yeah. for some people. <laughs> At least young yeah. people on the internet. But that's awesome because, I mean, when was the last time something that wasn't Sonic from Sega broke through outside of just video games? Like, became a a, a real cultural thing, even if it was a meme. Like, not often. Shenmue Definitely didn't do not that. often. Shenmue nope. didn't do that. So. I guess we got that, hey, I'm a Chinese man. Oh, okay. That's or true. Uh, the Never Chinese mind. language one. We have, but I don't know if it sold games. Um, <laughs> Do you get that game with the old guy who, who used to be Chinese? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you are a Patreon member, you can share your memories. Unfortunately, we didn't get any this week, and I am very disappointed. So, Did you put uh, them on the post? I put it up the like day of, so it's been there for two weeks. God, this is not doing well. I, I think we're done. Bye, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Next um, <laughs> episode is going to be just us complaining for one, two hours. This episode's two hours long. You guys are welcome. We love you guys. Yeah, you guys don't need yeah. more content. Absolutely. And, George, so what are your final thoughts on Yakuza Zero? Good stuff. Go play it, and then after you're done playing with this, play... Uh, House of the Dead Zero, or what was it called? They, they changed the name of it. House of the Dead Overkill. Yeah, which is yeah. not as good as a prequel to House of the Dead, but it's fun to play anyway. And yeah, this and then is... watch the Sonic movie, which is a prequel to the Sonic games. That's not true. Anyway, <laughs> catch you guys next time on Sega Talk. I am George, the sidekick, Gorbajima, and we have Kazuma, Tails, slash, I was Sonic last time when we did the episodes... <laughs> so you're causing more. I'm trying to do See, the same thing. You, you, had, you, you got Tails last time, right? When we did the Sonic episode? Yeah, yeah. And I get, I get Gora Majima, which is way cooler. So. Oh, shit. In the episode. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. We love you Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.